Fresh and exciting. Somebody with a sock personality that'll sweep people right off their feet. Where is he? What is he up to? What other terrors can he unleash at will? Calling your genial host, renowned writer, art collector, and teller of strange tales. What fiendish power did he possess? Where did he come from? Who is this man? Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Band Radio Network for a Wednesday. Talk radio the way our founders intended. America, Democrats aggressively searching for footage of Trump on a fishing trip after learning that former president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, is currently being investigated by his political opponents for harassing a whale. Day 1140. Keep it the Eric in America. Say hello to EZ. What's up? Good afternoon. Putting the heat in, Heather. Hey, guys. Double H is here. Dark History Hour 3. Our buddy John Jensen. Uh, top of the final hour. The all-important and crucial remarks delivered to the Florida Man Radio app in between. Mitch McConnell has stepped down. I notice he's not stepping down from his leadership role right away. Yeah, no. He's going to wait till the election. And... <laughs> wow. Uh, Trump steamrolls Nikki Haley in Michigan, 68.1% to 26.7%. She remains undeterred, however, uh, uh, saying that she's just going to keep campaigning one day at a time. Uh, And Biden is plagued by 100,000 uncommitted votes. Some weird things to come out of that is that... uh, First of all, Marianne Williamson has unsuspended uh, her campaign after realizing she got an entire whopping 3% of the vote. Do you remember her? The coronavirus, we pray that it be dissolved with healing, with healing, with healing. Your cervix, your penis, your vagina, your buttocks, your colon. What about the anus? Go wash your hands. <laughs> that was her coronavirus message she gave. What a weirdo. Why are we not voting for this lady? <laughs> I don't know, man. We've lost our minds. <laughs> uh, over at CNN, they realized that there seems to be what's uh, uh, known as a uh, rather large enthusiasm gap from Biden supporters. You know, there, there's a big enthusiasm gap. If you, if you look right now, there's you know, 26, 27 percent of the vote in uh, between the, the Democratic turnout, the Republican turnout. Uh, the Republican turnout is right now far trouncing the, the Democratic turnout. Um, and that's the percentage of, of the total vote that we're waiting to come in. It'll be interesting to see what comes in from Wayne County. Yes, I get that. But President Trump's number at the moment is actually more than all of the Democratic Party primary voters together. So I, I would say that President Trump, when looking at the amount of people who are coming out to vote for him tonight, mm-hmm. Would be very encouraged by the amount of votes that Anderson he is getting compared so, to all the Democrats. Go. Okay. Uh, no, I gotta go to break again. No, I gotta go. I gotta go. I wish you could see the uh, resting bitch face look on uh, Caitlin Collins <laughs> as she's just going. She's not happy about that at all. 
um, <clears throat> they had uh, a campaign in Michigan called uh, Listen to Michigan. They had a modest goal of getting 10,000 people to vote uh, uncommitted, mark themselves as uncommitted, uh, they, uh, because, you know, they're, they're upset about Biden's policies in Gaza, which I don't know why he doesn't have a policy in Gaza. Um, <clears throat> but they got 10 times that, or 100 times that, 100,000 uh, showed up. Uh, that's pretty, they have a pretty strong movement. Uh, they said, count us out, Joe. Listen to Michigan. Nikki Haley, she concedes basically that Donald Trump is, uh, that the GOP is his party. Uh, you know, she's facing the question of whether the GOP is kind of morphing into a party that's simply synonymous with Trump uh, more than what she champions. She said, uh, well, it's very possible. She said, we're aboard a vessel taking on water, and we're presented with two options, sink along with the ship as our nation veers towards the socialist left or seize the life raft and chart a rejuvenated course. <clears throat> she maintains an unflagging resolve to continue her presidential candidacy. Um, her week coming up is uh, full of campaign commitments, fundraisers, rallies, multiple states. Uh, she said, uh, we've only seen a handful of states cast their ballots. Yeah, but we've seen all the polling in all those states, and there's not a single state where she's even polling close at this point. So... Uh, at least she could come out and say, "Yeah, we're 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 sticking this out just in case." But this whole, uh, we're trying to fight for the soul of the Republican Party, and <laughs> we're doing this and that. That's not really working. No, it's not. We know what you're doing, Nikki. You want to put your name out there. You're trying to get a little extra scratch in your campaign funds that your, uh, you know, your donors are bouncing out, but still getting a bunch of money sent your way. Here's the real equation: is that is that she, it, in order to attempt to defeat Trump. In New Hampshire, Iowa, South Carolina, and Michigan, her campaign spent $76 million in four states. That's a lot. That's pretty wasteful, considering she hasn't uh, been anywhere near the lead in any of those. And Trump is a grassroots kind of guy, you know. Uh, She spent almost a million in Michigan. Nine hundred thirty-seven thousand. South Carolina, eight eight and a half million. New Hampshire, thirty-one million. Iowa, thirty-seven. Uh, I don't know. If she's got the money to stay in the race. Her super PAC only has fifteen million in all, uh, cash on hand at the end of January. The donor class has begun to cut off all funding of her campaign <clears throat> after she lost New Hampshire. And Koch brothers are out. Reed Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, also paused his donations to the. Uh, Pro Haley packs. Uh, they saying that hey, we invested in Governor Haley. We thought she had a shot of winning. I'd uh, I need to see a new case with new evidence to persuade me that more money could help her win. I don't think more money is not going to uh, uh, any amount of money is going to help her win. Uh, you know, I, I think too many people in politics equate with how much money you have is how well you're going to do. Your message can suck and stink, and you could spend a bazillion dollars spreading it. But it, it, you know, just because you're spreading more of a message with more money than another candidate doesn't ensure the fact that you're going to beat that candidate. Yeah, and, and we've seen no uh, uptick. There's no excitement behind her. There's one thing if she lost the first three, but it, but it's gotten better every time. Uh, actually, I think she's losing by more now in each state she's getting to. So yeah. it, at this point, it's a moot point. What is it, a 35% gap she lost uh, uh, Michigan by? Um, um, yeah. Actually, almost 40. 
43. Good Lord. Yeah, that's that's going to be that's going to be tough. There is a new uh, existential threat. There's always existential threats that kind of pop out of nowhere that you really were never aware of before. Uh, this one, let me find it. It's really funny. These guys even wrote a book about this. Uh, MSNBC, the greatest threat to America in 2024. Now, professor of political science at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Tom Schaller. White rural rage. And journalist and opinion writer Paul Waldman, their new book out tomorrow is entitled White Rural Rage, the Threat to American Democracy. <laughs> uh, when I think of rural people, I'm not thinking about rage. I think rural people are the, the most laid back people. You know, it, it's it's to me, uh, it's it's a no brainer. That's they got away from the cities. They're they're you know they don't want to be uh, in big cities. And Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, why are white rural voters a threat to democracy at this point? You would think, as we pointed out, why is it always there's always something that's a threat to democracy? If you have a group of voters, however you want to classify them as white, raging, extreme, whatever, if they're a class of voters and they're voting, that is democracy. Just because they don't vote the way you like that you would like them to vote doesn't make. Well, that's where these MSNBC groups and all of them have gone is they've they're trying to equate everything. Democracy is Joe Biden, Democrat. Right. So if anything's a threat to Joe Biden's campaign then it's a threat to democracy because uh, only Joe Biden is democracy. The only. Out, looking at Joe Biden's background and Donald Trump's, that, that the opposite would be true. I mean, we lay out the fourfold interconnected threat that white rural voters pose to the country. First of all, and we show 30 polls and national studies to demonstrate this. We provide the receipts in Chapter 6. They're the most racist, xenophobic, anti-immigrant, and anti-gay geodemographic group in the country. Second, they're the most conspiracist group. QAnon support and subscribers, election denialism, COVID denialism and scientific skepticism, Obama birtherism. Third, anti-democratic sentiments. They don't believe in an independent press, free speech. They're most likely to say the president should be able to act unilaterally without any checks from Congress or the courts or the bureaucracy. They're also the most strongly white nationalist and white Christian nationalist. And fourth, they are most likely to excuse or justify violence as an acceptable alternative to peaceful public discourse. Then so, why aren't there any riots in, in rural areas? <laughs> I mean, that's, because they have jobs to go to. Right. <laughs> they have things to do during the day. Uh, and and it's, we, we've seen enough <clears throat> uh, polls uh, and heard enough voices to know that it's the left that, that believes it's okay. Uh, political violence is, is sometimes justified. Uh, not the right. But that is, uh, that's the new. I imagine there'll be a couple of other, you know, danger to democracy books out there that will, before this election, that will uh, lamp, lampoon the, uh, the right or, you know, white people in general. Uh, it's just, you know. I mean, are, that's a weird take that they're afraid of because for the longest time we were told that, uh, oh, really, you don't have to worry about it. It's the college-educated people in cities. Those are the ones that are going to be the voters. You don't have to worry about the uh, rural the country. Flyover bunches. states, yeah. yeah. But now all of a sudden they're worried about them. They're, the, they're a threat to democracy. <laughs> 
Uh, so, you know, it's just saying the left is, is known for just saying the most outrageously irresponsible and stupid things. George Takei, for example. Uh, I, I don't know anyone, any uh, a public figure. I don't know. He's pretty left of left. And he believes that Republicans will use the murder of Lake and Riley as justification to create internment camps for illegal aliens, as they did for Japanese during World War II, which you know we all know that George Takei was in an internment camp as a child uh, during that time. And he believes, you know, uh, you, you look at uh, Rachel Maddow in 2016, uh, if she was given an opportunity to interview President Trump, she would ask him, are you going to put me and my friends into camps? I think she just tried to do that again recently, though, didn't she? Yeah, Where, it's it, always someone's going to round up somebody and put them in a camp. I mean, it's that is the most ridiculous, most irresponsible, un-American. Uh, 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 you're, I mean, it's it's uh, unintellectual. It's not even reasonable to assume that all of a sudden, leader in the in the country that champions gay rights, the country that is that is uh, uh, literally slathered in rainbow flags and marches and rights and this and that, that all of a sudden a Republican is going to get elected and we're going to, oh, you know, we're going to put all you queers in a camp. What and what's going to go on in the camp? I mean, that's I mean, it's it's dumb. It's it's fantasy. It's media gaslighting again because every time. Uh, any anytime you hear the word camp, you uh, associate it with the Holocaust, uh, and you immediately then you go to Hitler. It's always a couple. It's the yeah. uh, you know six stages of Hitler where you're you're everything you're going to say is super close to Hitler. Not to mention that it was a Democrat that that put uh, Japanese Americans in a in a camp, not uh, not a Republican. So you have the record. And this is the way with most big. Arguments, political arguments about certainly about history that, you know, Democrats started the KKK. Democrats uh, did not want a, a civil rights, uh, did not want civil rights legislation. Uh, that's just that's just a stone cold truth. Absolutely. Now they flip it. Oh, Republicans, you know how they are. They're going to put us in camps. Yeah. They put people in the camp. And it was put in camps by uh, a gigantically socialist president uh, who happened to be number two on their rankings just recently. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. They kind of forgot about that whole putting yeah. people in camps thing. Second most, uh, second best president in history, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who interred, uh, I don't know how many, uh, 125,000, 200,000 uh, Japanese Americans in camps. So, so George, what a, it's a fake equivalence. And it also dishonors every Japanese American that was interred during that war. Such a stupid argument. He tweeted on this day 82 years ago, February 19th, 1942, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in the height of the insanity of racism after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, signed Executive Order 9066. It ordered all Japanese Americans on the West Coast to summarily be rounded up and imprisoned. Uh, he also lashed out at Mike Johnson for predicting uh, that GOP politicians in Congress will use the murder of uh, Lake and Riley to create internment camps. He said, I know you're a type of politician. Men like you smeared my community during World War II by preying upon people's fears of others who didn't look like them. It led to the internment of 125,000 shattered lives never again. Hmm. 
mean, that's even a far stretch. Uh, to, to, you know, as a, I mean, I'm, and, and and by the way, if if Republicans wanted to use the death of an American citizen by an illegal alien to start some giant movement, they've had plenty of chances in the last three years. Uh, you know, there's some uh, 15 or 20 uh, confirmed murders by illegal aliens since uh, 2021. Yeah, and I believe we're up to five in the past week. Yep. So, yeah. Maybe Takai needs to do some work on his political messaging. Well, just, uh, you know, if you wanted to fear campaign, oh, they're going to round up all these people and, and deport them back over the border. Oh, that's not, well, okay. No, you know, at least you're going to get your uh, liberal side all riled up and, and get everybody. But to it's, go to the uh, extreme of saying, oh, they're going to, okay, why would we put what, them in camps? Because then what does that good do? Good does, yeah, it, it'll cost us a fraction of a camp to just put them on a truck and take them back to the where they came from I, or put I them on a plane. don't think George understands. What do you think they're doing right now in New York? Well, they're in camps, yes. giant tent camps. <laughs> Even uh, if you consider they're they're in a hotel, they're actually interred into a hotel. Right. <laughs> the legal's only being interred into five hundred dollar a night rooms uh, in uh, some of New York's finest uh, hotels. I don't even know that George. He used to appear quite a bit on Stern. Does he even go on Stern anymore? Uh, I think he spends most of his time just yelling into the abyss. Oh my! Yeah. Um, we'll talk about this more when we get back, but I didn't need, I don't know why this has escaped me. Probably out of a kid in high school. Um, Florida, under a new proposal by the Florida high school students, by Florida high school students, uh, uh, the high school athletic association could monetize their name, image, and likeness in an NIL deal getting paid here to play sports. We're one of, uh, there are 30 states that already allow this for high school kids. Um, uh, you know, there's, at high school level, I guess you're good enough to get, be a prospect or, and, uh, you know, to be scouted in, in football or baseball or something like that. Um, <clears throat> there are 30 sta- states right now um that are allowing kids to make some money. Uh, they're they're playing for the next deal, the next big thing. A mother of three, some parents are divided on it. Uh, Shalimar Reed Holland, a mother of eight, said her kids range from elementary school to high school. She said if her kids came home with a possible deal, she would be on board as long as their grades were good. Some parents want their kids to go to work. You know, get a job, the grocery store, a restaurant, or whatever. But in reality, is it going to be an athlete? Let them get paid for what they're doing. What do you think? Uh, these are all happening because we have a lot of people in that are in our law branches that are sports fans. And they know the benefit of it. Because if you are a college football fan, and your team has to keep up with the NIL, and the best way to get in-state talent, to you hope that they go to your college football team, is to pay them to come to your state to, to play sports. So, you think that these uh, these these are at, these are high school athletes that are getting an NIL deal from a from a college that d- wants them? No, but it's more a high school athletes that are more willing to maybe move to Florida to play because they have a chance of getting it because it happens 
kind of already. Uh, we have a, a school out there. It's called IMG Academy. It's a sports school. It's a well-known that that's all it's for. It's not a uh, academic. People come from all over the country to be brought in there, and that's how you end up with a team that has like eight five-star prospects on, their, on the football team uh, and because they're brought in there for that. And this is going to do the same thing. Now they all can come together and get paid to get do paid. it. And guess what? A lot of them already were. There's a reason LeBron James was suspended a lot through his high school, the end of his high school basketball career, is because he was getting paid a lot of money. In high school? Yeah, he <clears throat> drove around a Hummer in high school. There's some restrictions. Students will not be allowed to use their school's name or uniform. They cannot accept deals with strip clubs, booze, gambling. If they transfer to another member school during the season, they cannot accept any NIL agreements unless it's granted by the FHSAA under a good cause exemption. There are probably going to be rules and stipulations. That's fine. Uh, you, know, you agree to it. Not everybody's going to agree to it. Some people are going to agree to it. Yeah. The problem is, is that the uh, governing bodies for these things, like the NCAA and the uh, Florida High School Sports Association, they are getting their teeth taken out. Basically, they 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 have no abilities to suspend players anymore. Uh, like NCAA. Well, NCAA really has struggled with that now because judges keep from those areas. Uh, just happened with uh, Tennessee. They had a couple NIL issues going on, uh, and the judge in Tennessee they they filed a lawsuit and the judge said, ah, uh, right now uh, the NCAA can't stop you, so we I'm going to send it up the ladder. But for right now, uh, they can't suspend you. They can't do anything to you. So basically, you can do whatever you want. Um, <clears throat> uh, I mean, if you're in, you're not getting paid in elementary school, right? Cause you're not even uh, on the radar. Probably not, but you may start seeing it as soon as middle school. I mean, there's uh, kids right now that still get, that get, uh, football scholarships from major universities while they're still playing middle school football, 10, 11, 12 year old kids. Right. Uh, the FHSAA wants parents and students athletes to be aware of the potential legal and financial drawbacks that come with NILs. Along with allowing high school athletes to get paid, they could also lose eligibility and their deal if they're caught violating NIL bylaws. Third strike will cause them to be ineligible to compete in any sport throughout the rest of that, for the rest of that year. Yeah. Again, the problem is, is the rules are so convoluted right now. And they've got a good point on a lot of them because they say that uh, what's the difference of the kid that that – Go. He has a part-time job at Publix. He's getting paid while he's doing sports. So why can't he? He's using his name and his ability to work for Publix to do whatever he's doing. So why can't he just? If people want to pay him to be use his name and say, "I love this product," uh, right. you can't tell him no. This is going to be like not big money. I mean, it'll be local things like the uh, you know, like a dealership, a Hyundai, whatever. They'll give the kid a car or a couple of bucks and have him appear in a commercial with a football in his hand or something. Yeah, I mean, you're you're looking at it uh, anywhere a couple thousand dollars to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars probably for most kids and then maybe, you know, if they're generational talents, you're looking a couple, probably up to a couple hundred thousand dollars to millionaires before maybe they even step on a college uh. campus. And then they're minors, so mom and dad have got to take care of that money for you, son. I'll do it. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Let me return. Uh, yeah, yo. Uh, California has seized a lot of fentanyl. I mean, a lot. And by a lot, I mean enough to kill every man, woman, and child in the world twice. Hang on. It's a Shannon Burke show on the Florida Man Radio Network. 
Smiles are powerful. They spread joy, laughter, and hope. But not everyone gets a fair chance at a smile. Every three minutes, a baby is born with a cleft, making it difficult to talk, hear, eat, and even breathe. In America, most children with clefts receive immediate care, but others around the world may never have access to the surgery they need to thrive. Smile Train is changing that. As the world's largest cleft charity, our sustainable model has sponsored more than 1.5 million smiles. We offer training and financial support to local medical professionals so they can provide life-changing surgery and other essential services at no cost to families. It's more than to see these children, to hear the difference that we make. And for me, being born with a cleft lip palate, knowing what they went through, is so life-changing for me. Help us change the world one smile at a time. To learn more, visit smiletrain.org slash learn. Serving in Afghanistan, I was shot in the head by sniper fire. I was given a 5% chance to live. I'm Adam Alexander, and I'm a veteran. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I tell kids that with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is being there for the next generation. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The Supplemental Security Income Program provides monthly payments to help meet basic needs, like putting food on the table, paying the rent, or buying new shoes for growing feet. You may qualify if your income and financial resources are low and you are 65 or older, or an adult or child with a disability or who is blind. Call 1-800-772-1213 or go to ssa.gov SSI to start to apply. Produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. We are strong and we'll get through this together, but these are stressful times. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, and know that you are not alone. Visit wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Biden went in for his uh, physical today. And um, it wasn't on his, uh, people said it was an unannounced trip. Yeah, nothing like a surprise physical. Yeah. Um, it, well, I'm sure it's on the books for some time. Uh, it's unannounced because they want to avoid people asking the obvious. Uh, KJP was uh, on the hot seat about it today. Did the president take a mental fitness or cognitive test during his physical this morning? So let me just say I did see Dr. O'Connor, and he he stopped by my office earlier today uh, after the president completed his physical uh, this morning, as you all know. Uh, He was happy with how everything went, and as soon as he uh, uh, finishes completing the memo, uh, it will be a robust, comprehensive memo. We will certainly share that with all of you, as we have done in the last two years. And uh, look. You saw the president return to work. He took some of your questions not too long ago, and you saw he's going to continue to uh, to fight for the American people. And in this particular instance, he was talking about fighting fighting crime. So the president's going to continue that that process as it relates to. Uh, you were asking me about a cognitive test. As it relates to that, look, um, you know, the president doesn't need a cognitive test. That is not my assessment. That is not my assessment. That is the assessment of the president's doctor. Uh, That is also the assessment of the neurologist, uh, who has also made that assessment as well. And, you know, and you've heard us say this, and I'll reiterate this, the president's doctor has said 
if you look at what this president, the president who is also the commander in chief, he passes a cognitive test every day. Wow, that was a lot of words out to not to answer no. <laughs> the president has been very clear. The president has said he wants to continue to deliver for the American people as he has done in the last three years in a historic fashion. This is this is a historic presidency. When you this is a historic presidency. For the record, <clears throat> isn't every presidency historic? Yes. Um, she is really. I mean, they're driving this. Histor- every piece of legislation is historic legislation. This is the most important uh, bill you'll ever vote on in your life in the Senate. It's a historic bill. It's a historic press. She's even said herself, I am a, I am a, p- a person of, uh, of history. Uh, I am a, f- a history, a figure of history or a figure in history. I, I walk in history every day. They're obsessed with it. Why can we not have the president's uh, physicals? You know, he is supposed to be leading the country. Everybody wants to vote for a person they think is uh, healthy and uh, in great cognitive shape. I mean, we're a, a couple weeks away from them doing the combine and, and for the NFL where they take those kids and they run them through every poke, prod, uh, height, weight, throw, cognitive test that you can possibly do for a, a football player. Right. Why? I, I think we should have maybe a combine for our president so we at least have an idea where we're at. I, you know, if he were, look, every rational person, I don't care how many politicians get on, uh, meet the press on a Sunday and talk about how this president is so sharp. It, it's, it's difficult to even be in the room with him because he's so uh, intellectually demanding and probing and deeply, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> you, we've seen, and we haven't seen uh, as much of this president as we have of other past presidents where you saw them. Uh, literally every day they, you know, Donald Trump, I think he probably spoke every day to the press. Yeah, pretty much. If he was walking out to Air Force One, that little gaggle was going to get a good, a good couple of minutes with him, maybe longer. He would he would come to the press room, uh, to the briefing room. Ever seen uh, uh, Biden in the briefing room? I've never seen him in there. No. I mean, Trump will go there all the time, especially during COVID. He was in there all the time. Obama, give him credit. He yep. was there for interviews all the time. Uh, you know, you got a, a soundbite him for the March Madness and for the Super Bowl, and you, he did an interview. He did a lot of press stuff. Uh, we have a president right now that they are hiding behind doors because they're afraid to put him out there in front of public. That's why he scuttled off to Delaware every weekend, where he's going this weekend, uh, <clears throat> maintaining his 40% on-vacation record. And he's going to Camp David this weekend. Is that meant to be practice sessions? Is he bringing people up there with him to do? So look, he's going to work. He's going to work on the State of the Union address. He's going to continue to work on behalf of uh, the American people as he's there. Uh, And so, look, there's going to be obviously focus on on the speech. I just don't have anything else to share. We'll we'll have more. He's going to always be. He's going to be working. That's he's sure. workshopping the State of the Union. And and working uh, for the American people. He's fighting for you. Even even while he's eating an ice cream cone? That's I mean, that's part of the fight for the American people. He's a historic president. Why has, is uh, President or uh, your office not willing to make Dr. O'Connor available to us? Uh, just answer questions here. Previous presidents yeah. have put their doctors up at that lectern. Uh, why... Why so, not so a couple of things, Andrew, and the president said that they thought he was too young. So, you know, you heard from the president. He oh. talked about this uh, when he was asked. And so, look, as it relates to Dr. O'Connor, look, this is someone who has served under Republican and Democratic uh, presidents in the White House as a military physician, extensively in the field as well. Uh, and uh, And so 
he is well respected and let's not remember let's not forget there was a he has he did this with a team a team of 20 20 doctors who participated in completing uh the president's uh, physical at walter reed why do you need 20 doctors to do a physical yeah, yeah that's such bs my doctor nails a physical even with a jelly finger uh, inside of 20 minutes they well, the, to... then they go take blood and they look at that stuff later but the actual physical with the, you and the doctor q a for a little bit checking out your vitals Finger in the uh, Yahoo to check the old prostate out and you're, you know, maybe juggle the boys and you're off. So maybe they had to draw straws on it. They had to go through 20 doctors. <laughs> All right. Who wants to uh, do the hernia check on the doc on the president? All right. Somebody's got to do it. Phil, you going to do it? Phil, come on. All right. We're drawing straws. Fred, you get the prostate exam. <laughs> we're trying to get back to the norm that it was it used to be where doctors don't come to the briefing room it is not it is not the norm it is not it has Except happened it a couple was. times over the 35 years they demanded that tr trump took a cognitive test also trump's doctor yeah obama's doctor w's doctor uh, it, that was the norm for right. the past uh, 30 years for the doctors to come tell the white them. coat yeah, come out, out there, there and say, oh, well, he's great. It's the best we've ever seen before. This president is uh, probably physically 10, it's 15 younger, years younger than he uh, is with his body. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't be a consumer of any type of media and not know that this president has some cognizant, cognitive decline. Uh, here he is. How, how, your doctor, they think he's going to tell you, they think I'm too young. What does that even mean? President, you're too young. To, what, I don't even understand what, it, what he's trying to say. Is that, a, you know, see, you can say I've got the, he's, the, I've got the heart of a 50 year old or, uh, <clears throat> the lungs of a 40 year old or, uh, not you're too young. I, I think again, he was trying to joke, but he is such a, terrible yeah. job at it that he instead of saying oh yeah they're going to they they think I'm too young he he said well they they're going to say I look too young I think I look too young. I think I look too young. Uh, um, you all know that it's uh, an election year. Here's the M.O., especially by this administration, by, by a lot of Democrats. You want to just they want to destroy this country and bring it to its knees so that it can be reborn in a, in a socialist, uh, uh, you know, Utopia, which is no such thing. So they open the borders day one, ignore it. When asked, they said, well, the border's not open. What are you talking about? Oh, it's secure. Ask our guy right here. Ah, the border's secure. The border's secure. They gaslight on it for three years. Then we find out 10 million illegals are in this country. And now you're going to go, hey, well, I'm going to do, so, do some executive orders here. They've, they've spent a, a, a two-thirds of their time on the real agenda. Defund the police came uh, after George Floyd. Uh, we've seen the results of that, where uh, these Democrat policies. Well, I, I really do think things like defunding police um, and decriminalizing personal amounts of heroin and fentanyl for you know a handful of cities. 
I think they were those things that were so stupid and and didn't make any sense whatsoever. They seemed like the opposite thing to do, but I I really believe that they were all done in some way as a protest of Donald Trump. Oh, Donald Trump wants to be tough on crime. Well, we'll just uh, we'll defund the police. We got to defund these police because look what they did to George Floyd. Uh, and now that we're uh, uh, less than a year away from a, a a general election, Biden. I mean, Biden's out today talking about crime. We've got to get tough on crime. We've got to, uh, you know, we've got to. Well, we got to. I got to sign some executive orders on this immigration deal. I've got to get this done. So now he appears to everyone who's a dupe. Out there, he goes. Oh, it's, he's really doing a lot. He's solving yeah. our problems. We have crime problem. And he's 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 he wants to uh, do something about it. I don't even know if it's so much a go against Trump. I think it's more we've elected some real idiots. Uh, we have elected a bunch of idiots that look at graphs and they look at a piece of paper that says something, so they do the actual opposite of it. Uh, they look. Uh, it's happening with California with Prop Forty Seven, where they said, okay. Uh, the prisons are full of, of minorities, of black people. We, we need less of them in the prison. So how do we do that? What are they getting going to jail for? Uh, drugs and shoplifting. All right, let's get rid of uh, drugs and shoplifting are no longer illegal up to a certain amount. And they're like, okay, that should get less, less black people in jail. That's what we're looking for. Right. Uh, they didn't understand, though, that those are still crimes, and they're going to happen. And they're going to happen now at a, an exorbitant rate when you tell people that they're no longer illegal. And there's illegal. A, a bit of a ripple effect from it, too. Yeah. When you start to lose your pharmacies uh, in your neighborhood, you can, you got to go uh, you know 20 miles to get your heart, your blood pressure medicine. Yeah, they look at uh, the border. They go, okay, well, uh, we're the land of the free. We well, The Statue of Liberty says we'll take those migrants in. Uh, so they look, okay, we got to let more people in because that's what America does. And then they go, oh, but by the way, now we have nowhere to put them. We can't give them jobs. Well, they're causing a bunch of crime because we let a bunch of people that are considered criminals out of their other countries into right. our country with no type of any vetting. <clears throat> and now we don't know what to do. Uh, we have to. W- there's too many shootings from officers. There's t- so we need less cops. So we're going to fire. We're going to defund police. We're going to get rid of cops. And now there's a ton bunch of crime, and we can't figure out why. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think the lot of the. Decisions like like Prop Forty Seven that you know that what it did about decriminalizing certain crimes. Um, I think it's that's it's twofold. I think yeah, they're, they 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 see that there's a, a disproportionate number of black people in jail for it or are being arrested for it because they're the ones doing it. By the way, um, but I, I also think that some of these some of these states, these blue states and cities. Just went full bore woke just to, as a form of protest, I think, part of it. As was referenced during the pandemic, states and cities saw violent crime rising and their budgets were strained as they faced deep cuts in law enforcement and public safety. They faced deep cuts. Hmm. They literally... I, ran on defunding police. Yeah, I mean, I wonder Corey who, Bush, that was her thing. Defund, she still says defund the police. Yeah, who made those deep cuts? As president, public safety, public safety and crime reduction is a top priority for my administration and for me. <laughs> and has been for a long time back when I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Public safety, he's big on public safety. So good. Such a great guy. Uh, you know, fentanyl is, 
we, we have a, it's more than a crisis in, in this country. And the chemicals used to make it come from China, obviously. And they are sent to, you know, the, uh, mainly the Sinaloa cartel. They're the kings of fentanyl in Mexico right now. Uh, there is a, in Peter Schweitzer's new book, Blood Money, uh, there is a character he refers to as White Wolf. He said he's a very powerful figure. He's pro-CCP, works with the Chinese government. He's head of the uh, a gang known as the UBG. And this gang is widely recognized as the organization that made the Sinaiola Cartel the kings of fentanyl. They told him how to make it. They helped him uh, get pill presses. They helped provide communication devices. So the Chinese helped the Mexican cartels so they could communicate securely without Americans knowing. And they also helped them launder their money as well. He was partners uh, with this individual, the head of CEFC, who sent $5 million to the Bidens. So the question is, does Biden really want to have a conversation about Chinese involvement with fentanyl? I think we all know the answer to that is no. His family has too many ties. Uh, You know, and this could be the result of one of those payments. California has seized roughly 62,000 pounds of fentanyl smuggled into California from Mexico. In 2023, that total amount of this incredibly powerful opioid is enough, according to uh, Gavin Newsom's office, is enough to potentially kill the global population nearly twice over. It makes you think. uh, No wonder so many people are dying from it. You know, it's uh, I don't know of uh, any other drug that's so deadly right now ever. It's more that it's just so widely available. I mean, you think about those numbers, that's what they seized. Right. And you've got to think they maybe seized 10% of what actually is coming over the border. I mean, it's amazing. It, it, it's because it is a drug that is so absolutely cheap to make. Uh, it, it's cheap to produce. Uh, it's cheap to sell. Uh, so, you know, and it's a highly addictive drug. And it's more deadly than, uh, I think, anything current uh, on the street. It's a dramatic shift. 62,000 pounds. Back in 2021, they recorded 5,300 pounds. So uh, that had a street value of $64 million. In 2022, that ran up to 28,000 pounds, a street value of $230 million. Uh, the, the total amount seized in 2023, the 62,000 pounds, would have, would have a value roughly of $670 million. Woo! Um, the state has definitely stepped up its its efforts. He said, we're cracking down here, increasing seizures, expanding access to substance abuse treatment, and holding drug traffickers accountable. Mm. Mm. That's a lot of fentanyl. And that's just in California. That doesn't count what's coming over in Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Uh, you know, that makes it through. We know it's still here. The problem is with the fentanyl, you either use, you're either a, an opioid or a heroin addict, so you use fentanyl for that, it's cheaper, or they just throw it randomly into, into you know, drug, you know, cocaine is a stimulant. Fentanyl is the opposite. Yeah, but and, you can throw a little fentanyl in it, it's white, you know, whatever. I mean, are they, out of it. are they using fentanyl to cut the cocaine to, to or to make it a, a, a more of a high experience for the user or to randomly kill people? I think it's all of the above could be thrown out there. Well, 
Yikes. You never know. Aaron Bushnell, the man who set himself on fire. I think the guy had some mental issues. Yeah, just a few. (laughs) Which should concern all of us because he uh, allegedly had top secret clearance. And he told uh, some friends of his the Saturday night before he uh, before he lit himself on fire. He, he this one friend of his says, "quote He told me Saturday that we have troops in the tunnels in Gaza, and that it's U.S. soldiers are participating in the killings." He said one of the things he told me that coming across his desk was the U.S. military was involved in the genocides going on in Palestine. He told me that we had troops on the ground, you know, that we were there killing large numbers of Palestinians. There's just too many things I don't know, but I can tell you that the tone of his voice had something in it that told me he was scared. Hmm. You know, he had the whole world to look at, though, to if you're going to light yourself on fire and you know that information, you think you would probably have told everybody that information before you lit yourself on fire. Yeah. They say special forces are on the ground just to do strategy with Israeli troops, uh, but they're not in any combatant role. He uh, he had a security clearance for four years, and now it's the only time he has ever, as far as I know, broke protocol and gave out information that he shouldn't have. He was frightened. Uh, that's what he said. I can no longer be complicit in genocide. And then lit myself on fire. <laughs> um, I think uh, liberals would like to have a white genocide. I'm just saying. Uh, when we return... I got a lot of audio I want to get to too. Uh, the one point seven trillion dollar infrastructure, whatever bill we ended up calling that thing, uh, it has now been ruled that it uh, was done unconstitutionally. I'll tell you why. You probably already know, um, but one federal ju- court in Texas has f- found that it truly was unconstitutional. Really nothing we can do about it now, as uh, General, as uh, A.G. Paxton says out of Texas, because the money is almost all been spent. <laughs> uh, and this new roadster from uh, Elon Musk, the new version of it. Uh, I, I've seen videos, but you never know if those have been manipulated or not. But it's done in partnership with SpaceX. Uh, they upped the design, upped all the uh, their design goals. It looks like a great, uh, cool, a great looking car. And they are alleging that it can go zero to 60 in less than a second. I don't even know if that's safe to have on the, on, on the roads, but hell yeah. We'll talk about it next. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. 
What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. WFYY HD3 Windermere, WXUS HD3, W266DY Donnellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. Elon Musk has the new Roadster, the new Tesla Roadster, um, the second generation. It's a beautiful car. Uh, he says there will never be another car like this if you could even call it a car. I think it has a shot of being the most mind-blowing product demo of all times. They, will, they claim it will do uh, 0 to 60 in less than one second. That would make it faster than the fastest production car available in the United States, the Dodge Challenger SRT. It's either the Hellcat or the Demon, one or the other. And that's that's just 0 to 60 in just over uh, like a second, 1.24 or something like that. Um. <clears throat> They said they went on to mention design has been finalized. They get to see the production model near the end of the year. They want to kick off deliveries at some point in 2025. Uh, but you can never be too sure with them. You know, that, that truck took forever. Uh, six and a half years have passed since the first Roadster. They debuted it. Uh, it's, they say this is, they've revisited the tech uh, spe- uh, specifications. Originally claimed to reach 60 in 1.9 and do 0 to 100 in 4.2 with a quarter mile time of 8.8. This has got four seats, two little tiny ones in the back. It exceeds 250 miles per hour, they claim. They could go over 250 miles per hour, and it has a range of 620 miles on a single charge. Yeah, when I, I'll see it and I'll believe it then. So a lot of things that uh, sound very questionable. It's got a removable glass roof that goes into the trunk when it's not in use. Uh, the, everyone writing about it there says they're a little skeptical about the under one second mark. That, that would be pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. So some Swiss students broke the barrier last year when they built an electric car that hit 60 miles per hour in .956. However, uh, the op- the bite-sized open-wheel electric rock was barely bigger than a person. It weighed just 309 pounds and used a vacuum system to keep it sucked to the ground to keep it down. Uh, this Tesla is going to weigh uh, 5,700 pounds. It'll stay on the ground. It'll stay on the ground, but the amount of power it is going to have to generate uh, is going to be absolutely insane. Well, the, um, the, the Tesla... Model S was on the list of the fastest production cars in America. Hold on, I just had it up here. Come on now. Oh, no, it's over the other. Uh, I mean, I think it's the top 10. The SRT, uh, the SRT is one. It's the Demon, 1.66. Something called a Remac Nevera, 1.74. A Koenigsegg Jamera, 1.9. Tesla Model S, 0 to 60 in 1.98. Yeah. The Rimac Nevera is, uh, the Nevera needs 1,914 horsepower and 1,741 pounds of torque from four electric motors, a two-speed gear, two gearbox, 
and a 12 kilowatt hour battery pack with an 800 volt architecture that it sits at about 5,000 pounds as well. Uh, it, so to beat that time, it, would, it also has 1,700 horsepower with 2,581 pound feet of torque. Yeah. Jesus, Palomino. I mean, just the numbers are insane. Uh, not saying that he can't do that type of thing, but it, it, it's absolute insanity, and nobody we know will ever be able to afford one. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, uh, Dodge SRT is affordable. I mean, if you you know got 70, 80 grand to spend on a sports car, you can probably pick one up lightly used. It's the SRT Demon 170. Street, legal. I do believe that you have to sign some type of waiver. If, I, if I'm correct, I heard uh, uh, radio guy Glenn Beck bought one, and he they 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 had uh, he made they made him sign something that would hold, you know, so it, he couldn't sue Dodge for for selling him a car that was too fast. That's 840 horsepower. Ow. That's hot. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know what you do about a bill that was passed unconstitutionally. They broke the quorum rules, so says a federal judge. They lacked the constitutionally required quorum to pass the Consolidated, Appro- Consolidated Appropriations Act. Uh, the federal court has ruled. Accordingly, the the Biden administration cannot enforce the new mandates imposed on Texas by the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which was part of the the, the bill. It also left untouched $1.7 trillion in appropriation, and with most of the money already spent, there's really no remedy. It's because they had, they did uh, uh, the quorum clause of the Constitution. It's in Article 1, uh, says that when you're, uh, everyone has to be there to vote. And they argued that the, they, when the House voted on the final version in December 2022, it did not have a quorum. Only 201 of the members were physically present that day, which is less than, than the majority of the total number of the House, the voting number at 435. Under the control of Nancy Pelosi, however, they applied a proxy voting rule that allowed absentee representatives to have the members of the House cast votes on their behalf. It passed with a tally of 255 yays, 201 nays, one president present. Including members that were indisputably weren't in the quorum count, it, it, uh, the act at issue passed in violation of the Constitution's quorum clause. It doesn't even, there's no, they don't give a, a, a rat's ass about the Constitution anymore. No, State constitutions. <clears throat> Huh? We let COVID uh, give up a bunch of freedoms and rights that were there, uh, and that's what they did. They used it. They said, oh, well, I mean, some of these people are old. They can't be there to actually vote, so we're going to let them send one of their uh, runners to go vote for them. It's unbelievable. The lack of respect for any constitutional law. By Look at the blue states that, <clears throat> that, that, that uh, just on a whim changed their voting laws. Uh, just by a judge signing a, a something, not by, uh, not it, it constitutionally it must be done through the legislature, and you know in Wisconsin those rules, that law was broken in Philadelphia that law was broken, um, one other state I believe Arizona that law was broken, 
But hey, and now the damage is done. So what do you do? <laughs> That's just it. They avoid, you know, they, they, they work outside the rules. They work outside of the laws. They work outside of the Constitution, get what they need done. And later when it's discovered that it was unconstitutional or, or, or at least ruled it was unconstitutional, they go, oh, yeah, maybe it was. It's water of the bridge now. Um, and now the, with that, it was a massive, massive bill, tons of little pieces of permanent legislation within that bill. Uh, one of them was that law that requires employers in Texas to provide reasonable accommodations to pregnant employees. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, what that, what that was over. Um, there's no way to, um, you know, issue an injunction because the money's gone. And, but they do say the, the legislation within that bill uh, doesn't shouldn't be enforced because the bill wasn't passed constitutionally. They got what they wanted out of it, a big pile of money. Yeah, that's all it was. That's why it's never talked about what actually was in that bill. The only thing they ever talk about is it was $1.7 trillion. It was historic, historic. Historic. Yeah, it was historically huge and historically passed unconstitutionally. Oh, um, this absolutely utter disregard, especially that Democrat-controlled Congress had, uh, and the uh, uh, you know, and the executive branch war- working right alongside them. It was just terrible, Tur- terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, Nathan Wade's divorce lawyer yesterday was heard. <laughs> He claims he didn't know they were together at a certain time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Trump associate's lawyer got a hold of text records. He had the, handed them to him and had them read them. Uh, and they, uh, they're quite damning. Um, Terrence Bradley was presented with a series of text messages that he sent to a defense attorney in which he was asked if he believed the couple's relationship began before Willis appointed Wade to lead the state's investigation of Trump. Uh, absolutely, Bradley responded in the message uh, to defense attorney Ashley Merchant. Bradley had previously denied knowing about the relationship until he was presented with the texts. Uh, and he's heard as he's reading them under his breath, utter, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Merchant read over the messages from the stand, Bradley could be heard whispering, oh, dang. Well, question about the timeline of the relationship, he claimed he speculated on some things in the text exchange and did not have direct knowledge of what actually had occurred. Uh, not good. I, 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 I wish they'd hurry this thing up. You know, she's dead. They, they can't carry on with her. No. Even the case goes on, uh, which I'm sure they will. They, she can't be at the head of it, and maybe someone else gets in there with a fresh pair of eyes and goes, "What? Well, there's nothing. We don't. We have nothing. To, no ground to stand on." They can't though. They can't lose her right now because the, she is so uh, deep into it. I mean, when they've had her and Nathan Wade at the White House months before they even started their investigation, this whole plan was planned out a year in advance. Right. So now uh, that would put them so far behind if she's not there. So they're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure. Uh, that she does not get removed from this case. Uh, you think? Yeah, oh, yeah. 
That's why she's been on her uh, apology tour. It's not an apology In tour. The fact she just blames white people for going after her <laughs> because she's a strong black woman. Um, does is Nathan Wade allowed to stay on? Uh, does she toss him to the curb? Uh, well, I mean, now you got two lovers yeah. that are milking the taxpayer with outrageous fees, uh, so they could travel, you know, on lavish vacations. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. That little spot is today. Quite satisfying. Uh, Hunter Biden went to, uh, he testified today in court. Here's Alina Haba. She was there to watch it. Hey, how are y'all? Uh, we said we weren't going to do this, but since the left came to the microphone in the middle of the deposition, that I'm going to do the same thing this morning. The two things I'm going to say this morning so far in the first hour is that Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. But um, it's no surprise. It's no shock. Uh, that he is being that way, and in some cases he doesn't recall. He said that multiple times this morning, which again is not a shocker either. But um, defiant and dishonest would be the way that I would describe his testimony. So, um, Matt Gates was caught. He uh, happened to hear some of it as well. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that there were a number of interesting moments, but perhaps. None more interesting than when Hunter Biden told us that he uh, joined the Burisma board to counter Russian aggression. I, I hadn't heard that one before. That Thank goodness we had Hunter Biden on the Burisma board uh, because that was uh, central to his strategy to stand up to Vladimir Putin. Has he so, taken the fifth at all? No. He's, answer, he's, he's, he's been responsive to questions. Has he told you exactly what value he brought to any of these wars, any of these companies yet? Have you guys asked him that? Yeah, we've asked those questions, and there is, there is an illusory value. It is a mirage to believe that Hunter Biden was engaged in international business. This was uh, a bribe masquerading as an international business transaction. Nothing more, nothing less. Can we just quickly ask you, do you still feel the impeachment inquiry is heading in the direction where you'll actually be able to vote on articles of impeachment? Well, here we're asking questions about these corrupt business practices. Uh, I'm, not really, I'm not really framing that through the lens of next steps. I'm just trying to get the facts. Um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll be able to see the transcripts. They'll be public. Quite interesting. You think, uh, I mean, this, is, this is all leading up to whether or not his father gets impeached. Yeah, which looking less and less. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, New York City Mayor Adams, he thinks their sanctuary city laws need to be tweaked just a bit. Those small numbers that are committing crimes, we need to modify the, uh, the sanctuary city law that if you commit a felony, a violent act, we should be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. It is a right to live in this city, and you should be, you should be not committing crimes in our city for doing so. Um, it'd be nice if he felt that the, if the other Democrats felt the same way about America. You know, that's anti-liberal right there. That get you kicked out of the liberal club. You, it, deporting any criminal is a, is a, a sin uh, in the uh, liberal religion. We love, uh, liberals love illegal aliens, especially if they're criminals. And we won't allow that Cheeto-faced Mango Mussolini to deport them, so we're going to create a sanctuary city just for that specific reason. 
And now you're talking about tweaking it just a little. Yeah, tweaking it to make it to 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 deport people to commit crimes that are here illegally. That's the whole reason you were a sanctuary city to begin with. Now we need to do a uh, uh, tweakify. It seems pretty reasonable to me. LK host Tommy Lair. It's <laughs> get in there and start legislating then. It's a, it's a day late and a dollar short, in my opinion. But you know, I, I just remember everybody, uh, especially Chicago, them standing on the steps of the courthouse celebrating that they were now a sanctuary city. What was that in Philly where the the guy came out of the the room with the and it's just jumping up and yeah. down in the air like like a like a kid, you know, a man in a damn suit. <laughs> uh, after a series of well publicized crimes <clears throat> committed by illegal aliens. Adams supports to modify the law. We should not be allowing people who are repeatedly committing crimes to remain here. And we cannot collaborate with ICE in the process. Now he says that he wants the city to communicate with federal ICE agents. Part of the sanctuary law is we don't talk to ICE. If you commit a felony or a violent act, we ought to be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. The existing law right now prohibits the city from cooperating with federal immigration authorities. That law actually prohibits a city, a, 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 a police department, a district attorney, an attorney general from that city cannot even communicate with a federal immigration authority. <laughs> That's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, that they were around for a while. They got stronger in 2014. Um, <clears throat> they thought at the time it was a uh, it was a, a wonderful program. Uh, Legal Aid Society expressed alarm. What Mayor Adam seeks would result in to- in local law enforcement being able to transfer New Yorkers merely suspected of a crime to ICE. You're not a New Yorker, okay? Yeah, you're an illegal alien that ended up in New York. For purpose, uh, and upending local criminal court proceedings will, while perpetuating family separation and dividing communities. <clears throat> when you're, uh, if you're a little Manuel and you're here and you're four, you're chubby little eating the tray enchiladas, Manuel, and your poppy uh, uh, go gets a DUI uh, or two of them, or maybe three, and he goes to jail. Guess what happens? Your family is separated. Everyone in prison today has been separated from their family. That's what happens when you break a law severe enough to go to jail or to prison. You're separated from your family. But that seems to be like we'll do anything to keep little Manuel separated from his poppy, even though his father may have, I don't know, uh, stabbed somebody or uh, bludgeoned a woman with an uh, an iron in her hotel room or uh, beat up some cops or, you know, above all, we cannot separate families. Why isn't that weird? That is very weird. It is uh, like using a a baby as an anchor. Like, all right, I know he murdered some people, and he definitely wasn't supposed to be here. But the kid, look at him. If you're He's an, so cute. If Come you're in an American city, even if you were a single father, uh, and you had a, f- a four or five year old kid that you took care of, it, if you committed a crime sufficient enough to warrant a jail sentence, you are going to be separated from that child. For however long your your sentence is, 
and that child will either be given to a family member that you approve of or to the state or be turned over, you know, as a ward of the state and be into the foster home system. You're separated from your family. That's what happens when you commit a crime. <laughs> it's like, we can't, we, ooh, that's not the worst thing ever. It result in local law enforcement being able to transfer to New York. I love it. They call them New Yorkers. Merely suspected of a crime to ICE, upending local criminal court proceedings. What would they be all right if uh, the criminal court proceeding found them guilty to be handed over to ICE at that point? Well, yeah, but they had to, they wasted the court's time just to get to that point. Right. It'd be months and months down the line. In the meantime, uh, these these people, activists, don't want to have uh, Poppy in a, in a dank prison. He should get out without bail. Come on. That is just effing ridiculous. Um, I debated about whether or not I would play this clip, but I'm going to play it. We talked about crime and 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 uh, defunding police. Uh, there's an em- always an emphasis in this country, especially since George Floyd, of demonizing white people, demonizing the police for various acts against black people. This is just over a minute long. Uh, and it's breaking down uh, federal crime statistics. Not no one made this up. Nobody uh, came with, up with these numbers on their own. It's done by the United States government and the and the manner in which the uh, I believe the FBI tracks crime and race. According to the National Crime Victimization Survey, in 2010, 62,593 blacks were the victims of white violence. During that same year, 320,082 whites were the victims of black violence. That's five times as many violent attacks, but that number is misleading, since the black and white populations are not the same size. When 38 million black Americans commit five times as many violent crimes on 197 million whites as they receive, what you discover is that black perpetrators violently assault white victims 25 times more frequently. And when it comes to a specific kind of violent crime, aggravated assault, the number of black on white crimes is 200 times higher than white on black crimes. Oh, there's an epidemic of racial violence in America. Now... A lot of people won't, they don't want to say it. Those numbers aren't aren't made up. Uh, you can try to excuse it any way you want, like white people deserve it because they're colonizers and they're slaveholders. That's probably how you rationalize it. But that's the reality of it. The reality is black on white crime is 200 times worse than uh, white on black. Yes, but you can't tell anybody that. I know. That's the funny. That's the that's the weird part about it. You you really <clears throat> you get kicked out of some places for saying that. You you you'd be canceled in a in an Ivy League situation. You had the professor from Harvard that they were yeah. giving him death threats because he said that. <laughs> and all he did was actually he was looking for the opposite. He went right. in to look for the opposite. Got all the information to find together. the opposite. Yeah, got all the information together and went, oh, and then was told by a bunch of people like, hey, you probably shouldn't release this. Right. He was told several, his own uh, fellow professors came to him and said, oh, no, you better not do that. You're, it's going to hurt you. And, and sure enough, it did. Why does it make people so angry to hear the truth? Because it changes the narrative. And they're mad well, that the narrative's the way it is. At some point, you're going to have to accept that your narrative is wrong. 
Your, your narrative is, is made up. It's whipped up out of whole cloth. It doesn't exist in reality. When we return, it's time for your remarks. Um, I'll tell you about a theater um, where theater goers are not allowed to see, white theater goers aren't allowed uh, to, to enter to see the production currently going on in order to protect the audience from something they call white gaze, G-A-Z-E. New power I learn every day. Man, I'm on a white gaze on some people on my way home. I learned about it this afternoon myself. <laughs> Hang on, it's a Shannon Burke, sh- uh, Shannon Burke show on the Florida Man Radio Network. For more than 140 years, American Humane has been working to protect and make the world a kinder place for animals. You can help too. Visit AmericanHumane.org for simple ways to build a more compassionate world for all of us. Popular on the uh, social medias, Mohammed El Kurd uh, faces some backlash, complaining about how it's unacceptable to commit the old acts of terrorism that he loves so much. He said he can't protest peacefully, can't boycott, you can't hunger strike, you can't hijack planes, you can't block traffic, you can't throw Molotovs, you can't self-immolate, you can't heckle politicians, you can't march, you can't riot, you can't dissent, you just can't be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm with him. Um, I'm with you remember when we used to be able to just hijack airplanes yeah. all the time to let everybody know I was upset that they uh, got rid of the Shamrock Shake too early at McDonald's? <laughs> you can't. Uh, th- then some satirists, of course, joined in. Yeah, it's like you can't hijack planes. You can't rape women. You can't shoot babies in the face. You can't kidnap children. You can't cut people's eyes out. You can't decapitate people. You can't torture girls. You can't do suicide bombs. You can't drive cars into people. No one knows what it's like to be a Palestinian. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this guy doesn't see a distinction between hijacking planes and rioting on the one hand and protesting peacefully on the other. No one's stopping you from doing that. The play uh, you can't see is a play about race, identity, and sexuality. Uh, it's in the uh, uh, West End Theater, and it's on for two nights, and it's for black audiences only. The reason it's for black audiences, um, I'll buy, it says black identifying audiences, <laughs> uh, is to protect ticket holders from the white gaze. The white gaze. Um, I, I'm. I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm white and I have sight, so I often look. I'm gazing out the window right now, uh, and I'm a white guy, so that's white gaze. I almost wonder if they are. Uh, trying to make it out like that there's a bunch of people that white people that go to movies or plays or things like that and they spend the whole time okay there's a joke now we gotta look over and see how the black person reacts and they're staring <laughs> he found it funny all right guys he found it funny uh, 
Um, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, they said, according to the, the Garden, people argued that the the, the play it's a three interracial couples. So you've got white people on stage, but no one in the audience. Uh, attempting to reinvigorate their relationship while role-playing, being on a plantation. Uh, you know, there are, some of them would be slaves. The others would be the slave owners. And, you know. I mean, I kind of just want to see this play to see where this goes. It's an insane premise already. The the playwright says he was excited to put on, put on the play there where tickets are only sold to black people. He said, one of the things we have to remember is that people have to be radically invited into a space to know that they belong there. And in most places in the West, poor people and black people have been told that they don't belong inside the theater. For me, as someone who wants and yearns for black and brown people to be in the theater, who comes from a working class environment, who wants people who do not make six figures to feel like the theater is a place for them. It's a necessity to radically invite them with initiatives that say you're invited specifically you. And we do that by completely separating you from everybody else. I, again, we, uh, it's almost a, 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 a straight liberal theory Black people don't make enough money. You know, Biden thinks they don't know how to go online. You know, they they they're just as smart as white kids or, or rich kids or what. You know, uh, it's it's the it's soft bigotry of racism. I mean, it really is. I mean, you're just assuming. It's a weird. Uh, it's, it's they can't get ID. Black people don't know where the DMV is. You know, things like this is just like going. Uh, we're going back to the '60s and the '50s and the '60s. We're like, okay. You know, uh, it'll cause a scene if we see a bunch of black people in the pool. So the, we'll let them swim on Thursdays at uh, eight o'clock. That's the uh, the black swim time. But we're not. It's not segregation. We're we're giving them their own space. It's a weird. Uh, it is. It's soft racism by uh, Democrats that are going to give. Are like okay. Uh, you can't handle being in a theater with other white people. They might look at you and maybe think down on you. At you. So we're going to give you your own night that you can be there just with you, with people that look like you. Um, uh, it's, it's called slave play. After the theater felt different that way, with uh, he said, yes, 100%. Let's not act like we do not know that culturally white audiences and black audiences respond to things differently. White audiences in the West have decided to stay quiet and respond with politeness to anything they see in front of them. <clears throat> it's not always, it hadn't always been that way in the past. And he said, uh, for slave play, we'll have 200 tickets that week that will cost just a dollar uh, and accessible to those poorer black backgrounds. backgrounds. He's, they, I guess uh, he's right about that. I went to see the, uh, the Passion of the Christ. And three old black church ladies went into the front row or you know second row black, back, and uh, they were you know little older, and they they all unwrapped their wax paper sandwiches and their bags of chips, made all that racket, and then they, the scene where he's being whipped with a cat of nine tails, they're like, oh Lord Jesus, oh no! <laughs> I, I like though that they say, okay, well we know if it's a theater full of just black people, they're going to be loud, uh, but that's just how it you know they oh, audiences don't understand it. You're telling me though that Kit Harrington, who's playing one of the leads, right. who's a, a was in Game of Thrones, but he's also a well-known stage actor, right. who he's also not going to be pissed off when he's trying to get through his lines and everyone's yelling stuff back at him. 
So what they're saying basically is black people are poor and they're way too loud at theaters and movies. <laughs> they can't, they and, don't know what the DMV is and they can't use a computer. And, you know, if white people are there, they're just going to look at them the whole time. <laughs> Constantly. There's not been one time where I've went into a movie theater or a stage play or a musical or anything like that. And I've sat down in my seat and I've looked around like, oh, ah, God, there's there's poor people. Over there. <laughs> I know, I know they're poor because I see they're black. I'm not going to be able to enjoy this show. They're going to be so loud. <laughs> it's, it's such a... <laughs> so racist. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into uh, democratic soft racism is the new... Yeah, uh, yeah, it really is. Let's get to uh, the remarks portion of this hour from the Florida Man Radio app. Powered by Morris Family Farms and Morganic Meats. The app is uh, headquarters for people... Uh, yesterday's show, guys. For sure. All of the uh, shows are up there. They're commercial-free in the podcast form. Uh, down at the bottom is a microphone button. It allows you to communicate with us for approximately 30 seconds. You needn't use it all. Brevity is much appreciated here. Come on. Oh. Sando, did you see that snowflake soldier saying about how martial law, if we don't do what she says, that she would shoot us on uh, X? No. What a piece of crap. No. Yeah. Hey guys, one thing that keeps driving me nuts is all these kids that go, same difference when you ask them a question. Or, anyways. It's anyway. <laughs> anyways. Hey, what's that new station y'all be at? <laughs> uh, we be at uh, 103.1 on Monday. This is the last Wednesday. You'll hear us starting at 3 here in Central Florida, anyway. On our Ocala station, I hear it, we got a new one there. It's uh, it's not up yet. I think I think by f- maybe tomorrow or Friday. Uh, that's the rumor. Yeah, one hundred one point one in Ocala. So that's three FM. Yeah, it's gonna be really hard to drive without hearing us starting here real soon. From here to Fort Walton to the Panhandle. Yeah. There's another cockfighting movie out there. It's called Skin Deep. All right. What's the name of that boat that had the cocaine on it? <laughs> because if it's my wet dream, that's the name of the boat that Richard Pryor had. And he loved the bug of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things. <laughs> hey, Shannon, Easy, Heather. Speaking of uh, all the racism and all that, I finally got granddad to quit saying these racist terms he loved to say. I told him it just wasn't appropriate, and he, he was doing good for a few years, and then he started listening to Don Miller on Florida Man Radio. <laughs> now he says the Negro and, and monkeys freaking 24-7 because Don says it. Well, Anyway, uh, thanks, Don. Well, and after now that you sound like a, you could be a white person, uh, Don is, uh, is a black guy and, uh, you know. Speaking of the grammar thing, what I can't stand, and I see it in so many posts and all that, is somebody goes, I seen that. Oh, God. Ugh, it just drives me up the wall. Keep it up, guys. Beauty, beauty. It's prevalent, too. I have seen that. I, I hear it from people that uh, I know and like and respect. And Is that before or after they ask you a question? <laughs> um, I mean, they're successful business people, and I, you know, I, I don't know if that's a that's more of a southern white cultural thing. I seen that. Mm-hmm. I told you, I seen that. I seen the same thing. God, it's 
One of my pet peeves. Precious and ethically. Internment camps for migrants. Yes, they should be held there until they get their immigration hearings or they can go back home. Up to them. Beater, beater. There you go. Last time I checked, we were a constitutional republic. So all these progressives who get their panties in a wad over threats to democracy need to go find a democracy and let those poor people know that they're in danger. <laughs> we don't need a combine for presidents. Just make them take the basic employment stuff for McDonald's. Neither one of the guys that are going to be running for president could probably get through it. And can we please get somebody under 50? Too late now, but would have been nice. I mean, I would love to know what Biden and Trump's uh, 40 times are. Uh, if they can get a 225, how many times they can uh, yeah, lift what the bench that? Yeah, what's, what's uh, the squat max? How's their Wonderlick scores? Uh, <laughs> what's their, uh, their reach, their high jump? Hey, this is Panhandle Patty. Um, I think if it takes 20 doctors to do a physical on a man, then that man must be pretty darn sick. Yeah. Maybe do. Times over the 35 years. That was weird. Uh, 20 doctors, I don't believe that for a second. I mean, what could 20 doctors do? Uh, uh, 19 of them are standing there. I mean, unless they went with like 100% their specialty. And they're all right, uh, President, we have the ear, nose, and throat doctors going to They're working in. on this into your body. Uh, yeah. We have a urologist who will be checking out your pecker. Uh, yeah. We've got this guy going to test your uh, prostate. we got a proctologist. we got a podiatrist. We've got... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh oh. If President Trump wins, can we please have Kaylee McEnany back? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. She's got a high paying gig right now, though. She ain't coming back to politics. You know, Shannon, it cracks me up. The Democrats and, and people on, like, uh, the, the view and all, they say Trump's going to get back in office and he's never going to leave. Let's not forget why term limits were put into effect. Because eight Democrats kept running for president. Roosevelt served over 12 years yep. as president and was going to run for another term, but died in office. So that's why it was put into effect. Yeah, they say that Trump, this will be, if Trump wins, it'll be the last election ever. He's going to proclaim himself Cyclopsian ruler. Oh. Right, so I, uh, I I talked to a guy I know and I asked him why why they put fentanyl into cocaine. Yeah, he said to make it more addictive because while well, cocaine's addictive, it's uh, you know it's a mental thing, whereas there's actual physical addiction with opioids. So you put a little bit of fentanyl in there, and then they really need it. That's why they do it. Bidu bidu. The real question is you're talking to a guy that puts fentanyl in. That's what it sounded like. He did went to his local guy that. Yeah. Uh, hey, no, why are you guys putting the fentanyl on the cocaine? Oh, to make it more addictive, Steve. Oh. All right. Hey, Shannon, you hit the nail on the head right there about that white genocide. I mean, they're they're openly doing it, and we can clearly see it. Yep. Oh, y'all were talking about Teslas. My boss has a Tesla Plaid version. And went for a ride in it, and it is by far the fastest car I've ever been in in my life. Uh, they've outlawed them at a lot of dragways because they're killing big gas-powered cars. But anyways, <laughs> beat it, beat it. Oh, that's funny. 
Carol Shelby once said, uh, there's no such thing as too much horsepower, just not enough traction. All right. It would be funny if it weren't happening in real time. Not only is he not guilty, but we should have enough evidence now to disbar the prosecutor and ban her from ever practicing in any sense of law. She has lost all credibility. It's sick. I think they have enough evidence to for the bar to take uh, serious disciplinary action up to uh, and to disbarring or, or suspending or, you know. Hello, Shando, Easy, and Heather. You know, Adams is just, it's stunning what a stupid SOB he is, and he's evil, he's an evil pig. <laughs> the very long are already on the books to throw illegals out of this country and what Trump was doing. He's now saying we need a tweak. It never ends. Be do, be do. The law, their sanctuary city law in New York City specifically prohibits law enforcement officials in that city from even communicating with federal immigration officials. You can't even call them up. Yeah, they're technically not supposed to be in the city. In another statement to the press, Mayor Eric Adams said he feels the best way to reduce crime is to prosecute criminals. Imagine that. It's like the cows are coming home. All of these liberal policies are now swung back to bite these liberal cities in their faces. Oregon, okay, maybe we ought to arrest people for drugs since, like, you know, three people die a day in Oregon of a fentanyl overdose. That separation of family, children from parents, is not, it's insane. It's beyond stupid. My father, every time he deployed, I'm a military brat, and every time he deployed, I was separated from my father. He didn't commit a crime, just the opposite. He did things to prevent criminal activities against this country. My God. It is really ridiculous. It sounds horrible when you say it, but when you think about the reality of it, when they say, oh, they're separating families, uh, it, that happens every day on a grand scale. Some little Timmy or some little Sally is left without a father or a mother because they went to jail for something, they, uh, some law they broke. Yeah, I believe the Tesla speed. Uh, back in 1984, I had a Kawasaki Ninja 900 that would easily break two seconds going zero to 60 if you could hang on. Also went to a Talladega 500 where Bill Elliott set the speed record at over 220 miles an hour and averaged over 190 miles an hour even with caution flags. Short time after that, a car flipped on the home stretch, went up into the crowd, but the retaining fence saved everybody. And short time after that, they implemented the carburetor restrictions. Yeah. That's 40-year-old technology. B2B. Hmm. An 84 Ninja, huh? I used to be a speed guy, you know, I like to go fast. I do on occasion, but I'm not nearly as risky. You know, going fast for me is I, I don't want to go uh, five, ten miles over the speed limit. But every day I'm stuck behind speed limit Sam. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you guys are talking about that theater that's going to only allow uh, black people to be in the audience. 
And that's going to be the loudest audience in the history of theater. Possibly. Ah, shine some other guy. And one hung low. Just want to let you know, enjoying show today. I need big favor when I watch on Facebook. Can you put the Chinese subcaption on bottom? I can read. Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> we haven't been up on Facebook because our computer that handled it crashed on us. So I did that on accident. No, it's by accident. And I could care less. No, you Could've. couldn't care less. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, those are all bad. Oh, dude, if they did like a combine, you know RFK would probably blow both of them out of water. I'd, I don't know if you guys have seen him, but oh, he, he's pretty jacked for seventy or whatever. So yeah, yeah, that'd be a great. Yeah, combine. he would. He would absolutely kill it, man. <laughs> the guy is doing military one arm uh, push ups. Yeah, he really wasn't doing too well in the early scouting taste, but RFK Jr. is blown past everybody at the combine. I really yeah. expect him to <laughs> maybe be a number one pick. Honestly, if Al Davis was still alive, he'd probably take him with his first pick. <laughs> his policies suck, but man, have you seen him run the 100? It's, it's amazing. What they ought to do is just put him in a wrestling ring and let Donald body slam that old bastard a couple times. When I walk in the movie theater, they're all thinking, I hope he takes that damn cowboy hat off. And I'm married to a little Puerto Rican lady that leaves her phone on to the last minute, and she don't mind checking her messages during the movie. be do be do I tell you what, Shannon, I'm tired of hearing all these Nazi-crats saying the Republicans are racist. Bunch of clan members. <laughs> If we get Trump back again, we got to get Jen Psaki as our press secretary for Trump. It'd be awesome. She's perfect. Fentanyl into cocaine? That's against democracy. It's <laughs> definitely a threat to it. Yeah. Just passed a law that if you murder someone and they're an illegal alien because they're not a citizen, you cannot be prosecuted. That problem will go away very quickly. All right. Irregardless. <laughs> All right. I hate four-letter words, nasty things, but don't stop and quit. Those are the remarks for this hour of the program. We'll do it again in the final hour. Get the app, uh, hit the button, leave a message, be on topic. Powered by Morris Family Farms and Organic Meats. Darkness coming next. Yeah, we talked about earlier in the week about how sometimes people put them in cells, uh, self-insert into uh, characters or people that are not good people, but they kind of pretend like they're, you know, we talked about the Joker or the Joker and Harley Quinn, the greatest love story. We're going to talk about one. That always everybody people talk about. Oh, I want a love story like Bonnie and Clyde. And we'll talk. They well, if really wasn't. It. And also, Bonnie was a freak. Like, like, oh, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. All right. Hang on. It's the, I don't have anything to do here, do I? Uh, yes, I do. You do. It's the uh, Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. 
WFYY HD3 Windermere, WXUS HD3, W266DY Tonellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. Plastic recycling is a lie. And they have known it for decades. Recycling products was neither economically or practically possible. They've known it for 30 years. Center for Climate Integrity found that companies including Exxon, Chemical, uh, and Society of Plastics Industry have misled the public about recycling to avoid regulatory action and loss of revenue. They've been aware that certain plastics are impossible to repurpose, but are mixed in with those that can, making sorting a difficult uh, and expensive progress process. Um, I don't even bother anymore. You know, I never did. When I thought about recycling stuff, uh, one of the most uh, recyclable products is paper, and um, we used to have paper bags. They use, they still have them. You have to ask for them, especially. I imagine they're more expensive for the grocery store than the plastic bags, little flimsy plastic bags. Oh, yeah. But, you know, those produce more waste. Uh, nowadays, you know, I, we have two. We remodel the kitchen, so we got a thing. You pull out the drawer, and it's got a trash can for trash, and behind that, the same size trash can for recyclables. We're religious about that. Uh, in the house, but I think that's only so we can have a certain amount of garbage where I have to go out and put it in the trash can. But when I take out the trash, they both go into one one can. Yeah, because most places now, they don't even... Because I put my bottles in cans in a plastic bag, I have to empty them into... I can't put my bag of recyclable glass in this recyclable bin. They'll send you a, a nasty uh, note on your trash can. So you guys can take it all to the dump for me. Thank you very much. I mean, I don't know what they do now. I know my area. They just told you to stop. To, we don't even take it anymore. They. I mean, it's all what an expense. You you had to uh, cities. I know in in Winter Park, you they have to uh, roll out the uh, two different bins. Ones for trash. Ones for recyclables. They uh, they send a separate truck around for the recyclables, and they do. Uh, it's a whole. You've added another level of uh, of trash removal under the guise that some of your trash is going to be recycled. It'll be great. And I just, uh, you know. And, I, and I, the I, cost is insane because most counties don't have a recycling plant of their own. So <clears throat> they were getting it all together and shipping it somewhere else. Right. First of all, those trucks that come around to pick it up don't run on electricity. They run on diesel fuel. And they run all day on recycling pickup day. And then they take it to one place where they're all combined and put on yet another diesel truck to be hauled long distances to a place where God knows what will happen to them. Where maybe 30% of it actually is recyclable. Right. Um, the vinyl people, <clears throat> the vinyl institution, you know, VI, uh, they said back in 86 that recycling cannot be considered a permanent solid waste solution. It merely prolongs the time until an item is disposed of. That makes sense. 32% of Americans currently recycle. 72% of the products end up at landfills. Only 9% of what you put in your recycling bin is actually recycled. Mm. Yeah. Remember the campaigns that they spent oh so much God. money on? 
I remember. In, in school, yeah, it was, I you were preached to you they, in school. They would do like entire assemblies where the, uh, some company would come in and they do a whole play about how you yeah. had to recycle. I watched a dopey movie about yeah. a can and a bottle talking to each other. We got to be recycled. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it, it was it, it was insane. And everywhere you look, still today, uh, you'll find in public places a separate trash can for recyclables. With a little hole uh, indicating you can only put a bottle or a can in it, you know? Yeah, which I, I love because the last time I saw one of those things, I look at them, okay, bottle here, can here, whatever, cup. Uh, trash over there. Yeah, trash. And then I, I watch a little old man in, a little, in his white janitor outfit open up the thing, and it was one large bag stretched across the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I think about it, when you when you when you uh, uh, you know uh, pull out and get a bigger view, it, it I believe that it was recycling was marketed and and uh, uh, and but it made people feel good about doing good things for Mother Earth, about doing the responsible things for Earth. And so when you when you're diligent about it and you had built up a, a habit of it. Uh, and you felt good. I'm doing the right thing when I recycle. So, you take out your recycle, you put a digger. Yes, I will refuse to put this in the dump because I want to save the earth. Uh, then you felt good about that. So later down the line, when they come to you and say, oh, we got to take your gas stove because, you know, uh, climate change. You go, oh, yeah, well, hey, I've been recycling. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm with the, you know, I'm down with it. Yeah, I, I think the problem was the early campaigns were like, okay, uh, three different things. We need uh, paper products here, uh, glass bottles here, plastic here. Uh, cardboard can sometimes go with it. And then as the technology never caught up and they continued to go, they went, okay, well, you can't put this type of paper here. You got to put this paper here and you can't put these bottles in here with these plastics with here. Oh, we can't, we can, re- we can recycle all these cardboard boxes unless it had a pizza in it. Yeah, if it's yeah. got a pizza, it ruins the entire, well, and because you put the pizza box it in. shut down the whole the factory. Three, yeah, Thanks a lot. Three cardboard boxes, none of those cardboard we boxes. Got, we got mozzarella caught up in the machine. <laughs> And they all had uh, the, uh, the American plastic makers people uh, they had advertisements and and campaigns going on about how you know they were spending money because just like uh, every research you see, uh, be it uh, cancer or any of the other, it's, a, it's some sort of nonprofit that puts its name on it. They're making money. Yeah. They're not, it's not a nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, in the long run, that's exactly what a lot of those recycling campaigns were. They got a crap load of money pumped into them by uh, rich people and celebrities that wanted to feel good about the saving the environment. They think, oh, this was an easy way. We can get those idiots to just put a plastic bottle and a glass bottle in two different bins. <laughs> Boom! We did it. So we're going to give the this campaign a couple million dollars to it. And, of course, the CEOs of that company, of those non-profits, we're going, yeah, of course, you can uh, recycle everything. Uh, look, I've got a roll of toilet paper here that is, uh, uh, that's 10% recycled paper. But that's uh, still, the uh, handwritten notes from an ex- a meeting between Exxon Chemical and the American Plastics Council quoted Exxon Chemical's then vice president saying, when it came to recycling plastics, quote, we're committed to the activities, but not to committed to the results. <laughs> uh, yeah. What can, I mean, what do you, uh, what, what would you feel good about recycling? I mean, if they could actually come to me and say, hey, uh, if you put all this paper in here, it definitely we're going to be able to make more paper. Uh, you put printer paper in, and we'll put printer paper out that's cheaper, or, or in the long run, it's reusable. Okay, cool. That's fine. I'll, I'll consider that. I'll, I'll put this paper in that bin. 
Uh, they said, hey, here's some glass bottles. If you put the glass bottles in, uh, glass bottles come out on the other side after everything's done, said and done. Sure. But wouldn't you say, okay, we need you to put all these glass bottles here? No, well, not that glass bottle. That's that one's green. got something wrong. Oh, that was, yeah. well, was clear. I can't have the clear one. We got your mind. And and then when they tell you, oh, and by the way, of those uh, 50 ones that you made, we actually only made one glass bottle out of that. And we still... We've still got to sell stuff in glass bottles, so we produced another 50 of them. So and they recycle green glass. I'm thinking yeah. of what I recycle most of uh, is uh, beer cans and uh, Jameson's bottles. <laughs> uh, uh, so if, if those are both definitely things that are going to be recycled, I could be religious about it. But, you know. Yeah. Whatever. It's all a hoax. You ought to recycle things like <clears throat> old cars, you know. Old uh, furniture, uh, big giant items that really fill up landfills, in my opinion. Shall we get dark? Yeah, let's do that. Come on. It's disturbing history with EZ. There's a lot of history out there. Some of it isn't in the books. Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow had my uh, American Outlaws to the very end. My grandfather and my great uncle rented a home to Clyde Barrow in Dallas, a house I think for a very, very short period of time. Based, yeah. Uh, of course, Bonnie and Clyde were two of the most notorious outlaws during the public enemy era. Alongside other members of the Barrow gang, they robbed banks, fired guns, stole cars, and committed some murders. Bang! Uh, it was a true crime story that captured the nation during the Great Depression. And they were among the first celebrity criminals. And despite all the blood on their hands, they won the hearts of many and were inseparable up until their gruesome deaths on May 23rd, 1934. But they started on different paths. Conversion at a very young age, but they started on some different paths. Born October 1st, 1910 in Rowena, Texas. One Bonnie Parker. She grew up in West Dallas. Before she met Clyde, she married her high school sweetheart, Roy Thornton. That's right. Clyde wasn't even her first. Hmm. Bonnie was just shy of 16 years old on September 25th, 1926, when she walked down the aisle after dating Thornton wow. for just over a year. But old Roy Thornton could not be held down by one woman. And due to his constant infidelity, the couple eventually separated, but actually never divorced. So, Oh, so she was married uh, when they were to together. To the very end, yep. Also, this one blew my mind for 19, well, uh, she was uh, 20, uh, you know, she was 16, so 1926, but Bonnie continued to wear her wedding ring. Also, Bonnie had a tattoo on the inside of her right thigh with two hearts labeled Bonnie and Roy. Oh, but that made Clyde mad. Oh, you know it did. Um, old Bonnie got down there that would go get at 16 and 1926 to go get herself an inner thigh tattoo. She had to go down to a rough part of town to get that. I, mean, I can't guarantee it. 1933, uh, Thornton was in prison for robbery. Uh, by that next year, Bonnie was killed. Thornton told the press he was glad she went out that way. He was quoted as saying it was much better than getting caught. Well, in 1937, he was killed alongside another inmate in the Huntsville State Prison as they attempted to escape. So, well, Roy didn't make it very long in his life either. Oh, uh, he was also a criminal? Uh, he was. She had a type. Clyde, on the other hand was born on March 24th, 1909 in Ellis County, Texas. I know. He was into a, born into a struggling farming family. During his teenage years, he he was arrested with his brother Marvin Buckbarrow 
for handling stolen goods. They were trading in black market turkeys. Turkeys? Mm-hmm, yep, they were handling stolen turkeys. <laughs> the brothers moved on to more serious crimes, breaking the safes, robbing stores, and stealing cars. In January 1930, though, the cosmic lovers met as Bonnie was 19 years old and Clyde was 20 when they met. They fell madly in love after they had spent but a few weeks together. Clyde was arrested for several criminal charges, including auto theft, and sent to Waco, Texas. And a heartbroken Bonnie decided that Clyde was her small soulmate, and she smuggled a gun to Clyde in prison, which enabled him to escape with several cellmates. Why, well, she smuggled a gun into prison? Yeah. I don't know that. I bet you you wonder how she got it in there, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, right there yeah. next to Roy. <laughs> <laughs> he was quickly recaptured and sentenced 14 years behind bars. Uh, this time, he was sent to the notoriously harsh Eastham State Prison. And life was tough at Eastham State Prison, as prisoners were handed heavy manual labor as a punishment. Clyde was also repeatedly sexually assaulted by another male inmate. I did not know that either. Yeah. Like uh, like uh, Andy Dufresne was? Mm, yes, he was. Oh, no. In a desperate attempt to be transferred to another facility, it was so bad that he actually severed his left big toe and second toe with an axe. So he wouldn't have to be raped anymore. Correct. Wow. Interesting. Uh, the problem was, I guess, unlike uh, prisoners nowadays, get a little more news sent to him. Uh, it really wasn't necessary for him to cut his toes off because a week later he was paroled after his mother successfully petitioned for his release. Oh, no. <laughs> you got to be pissed at Mama Barrow. Couldn't send a letter like, hey, by oh, the way. No, you, uh, you applied. I was saving me a toe or two. <laughs> be careful, Clyde. No, watch out for the axes because uh, we're about to got you out of there. Uh, Clyde left prison a hardened man. As a fellow inmate said, he went from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake. In the book Running with Bonnie and Clyde by John Neal Phillips, his sister Marie said something awful sure must have happened to him in prison because he wasn't the same person when he got out. Now we know what the awful thing was. Continuous anal rape. Following his release, Bonnie was encouraged to cut all ties with Claude, but their romance was not meant to be taken away. August 1932, Claude was drinking with associates in Stringtown, Oklahoma, when they were approached by a sheriff and his deputy. Clyde and one of his men opened fire, killed the deputy in cold blood. The sheriff was wounded, and Clyde would spend the next two years on the run. So one thing you've you've seen with Bonnie and Clyde, which is always kind of a weird thing, is they were very, like, Instagram kids nowadays. They were a Uh, lot, they took a lot of pictures of themselves for a time period that really didn't have a lot of pictures. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, they must have been uh, just kind of like Instagram models, though. They're fake. They're very, very staged. Oh, the pictures? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Formed in 1932, the Barrow Gang was made of Bonnie, Clyde, Clyde's brother Buck, his wife Blanche, W.D. Jones, Henry Medvin, Raymond Hamilton, Joe Palmer, and Ralph Fultz. They were known to have killed about 13 innocent victims during their crime spree between Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Missouri. Hmm. And Bonnie, she loved to pose for photographs in which she would often be seen pictured smoking a cigar or wielding a gun. Former House Representative Speaker uh, Jim Wright, who grew up at the time of the couple's crime spree, said, you would still have to envy them a little to be so good-looking and rich and happy. Problem was, though, that all those pictures were staged. They were, Sta- not, they were not that wealthy, mainly because they were robbing it on the run, so they were burning through cash all the time. And Bonnie herself was a navigator for the vehicle. She did not participate in any of the actual crimes herself. She was not the gun-toting mall that the public recognized. 
You know, all the pictures saw her. Is With a, a gun. Gun, cigar. Yeah. She's, a, she's a badass. And Those uh, were staged? They were staged, yes. The shameless self-promotion, however, turned them into the one of the most romanticized couples of all time. Now, Bonnie and Clyde are known as two of the most notorious bank robbers of all time, yet in reality, they didn't actually get away with a lot of cash. In two years, they robbed no more than 15 banks and took as little as $80. 15 banks, $80. In total? In total. <laughs> On the run, when with nine gang members to spread the wealth, uh, the hall was barely enough to go around. They were even known to break into vending machines to make up the extra money. <laughs> That's real criminals right there. In the book, Go Down Together, the true unstold story of Bonnie and Clyde. Go Down Together? Mm-hmm. I see what they did there. Yeah. Oh, Clyde saw Roy's name every time, though. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Author Jeff Gunn, he revealed that their crimes weren't always about the money, though. He explained, true, they robbed banks and shot it out with lawmen, killing some of the process. But in 1933, bankers and law enforcement officials, while they perceived to have no sympathy for decent people, impoverished through no fault of their own, and were considered of the enemy of many Americans. So for them, Bonnie and Clyde's criminal acts offer a vicarious sense of revenge. Someone was sticking it to the man, even though we find out they were actually not making any money of doing it. Right, thing. right. That, that, so they never made a, a haul from any... Uh... Nope. They were breaking into vending machines to Damn. survive. Lost all respect for their criminal genius. July 1933, the gang broke into the National Guard Emory, Armory in Enid, Oklahoma, and stole five automatic rifles with about 10,000 rounds of ammunition. They were now heavily armed and more lethal than ever. On Easter Sunday the following year, the gang opened fire on two police officers, one E.B. Wheeler and H.D. Murphy. Tragically, it happened to be Murphy's first day on the job, and he was just two weeks away from his wedding. Oh, damn. That's the straight up uh, like lethal weapon cop thing. Uh, he's a rookie on the job, about to get married, and he gets yeah. <laughs> gunned down. It was time for authorities to ramp up the efforts in capturing the couple. Uh, Bonnie herself enjoyed writing poetry in her journal. One poem foreshadowed her own death. She likely realized that time was running out as authorities were determined to successfully capture the gang. And she wrote, Someday they'll go down together. They'll bury them side by side. To few it'll be grief. To the law relief. But it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. Wow, that's actually pretty good. I mean, for, you know, a criminal. Uh, Clyde himself, though, was a talented musician who could have been a household name if he had gone into that career. Uh, he chose the wrong path, but his younger sister, Lillian Barrow, recalled stating he undoubtedly enjoyed bringing happiness into the lives of others sentenced by poverty to the West Dallas campgrounds. It was also during this period that Clyde took his natural music ability a bit farther when he discovered the saxophone. He played the sax. On May 23rd, 1934, Bonnie and Clyde were gunned down during a police ambush as they drove down the road in Bineville Bineville Parish, Louisiana. Six members from Texas and Louisiana police departments insisted they helped the gang member Henry Medvin's father. Uh, He stood by uh, the side of the road, and when the couple recognized him, they pulled over. The police opened fire on the stolen Ford V8, and Clyde was instantly killed, shot shot by a shot to the head. The police emptied about 130 rounds of ammunition to the car. Right. Shooting the couple more than 50 times each. Man, Bonnie, that's really not good gun control. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde died together, and alongside him was his saxophone as well. He went everywhere with it. Where is he buried? Or where are they buried? Are they buried next to each other? No, they were, they were buried side by side, but one of the families came and got one of the bodies and yeah, took it home. Yeah, we'll get, they did, was denied actually being buried together. Really? Yeah. How could they deny you in death? Uh, well, because you were a criminal. 
That would be one. That'd be a hell of a grave, uh, a heavily visited grave site yeah. for sure. Like Jim Morrison. Uh, when news spread that two of the most well-known outlaws had been killed, locals began collecting souvenirs from the grizzly scene. When the coroner finally arrived, he saw that nearly everyone had begun collecting souvenirs, such as shell casings, slivers of glass from the shattered car windows, and bloody pieces of clothing from the garments of Bonnie and Clyde. One eager man had opened his pocket knife and was reaching into the car to cut off Bonnie or uh, cut off Clyde's ear. Just cut off his, his ear. ear. Yep, they wanted his left ear as a souvenir. Hey, uh, y'all want to buy Clyde Barrow's ear? I got it right here. Put it on eBay right now. I know what I got. Need gone. Uh, the population of the northwest Louisiana town actually jumped from 2,000 to 12,000 during that time period. They wanted to move there because Bonnie and Clyde were well, shot there? No, they just were getting there to be part of it. And beer prices doubled within hours as people <laughs> gathered to hear about the final moments of Bonnie and Clyde. A Henry Barrow had arrived to identify the body of his son, and then he wept in a chair. Undertaker C.F. Boots Bailey later revealed that he had difficulty embalming the bodies due to the number of bullet holes. That's right. You start running some embalming fluid. through <laughs> like going everywhere. You know, like a sprinkler. <laughs> uh, following the death of Bonnie and Clyde, the U.S. government put more than a dozen of their family members and close friends on trial as their alleged accomplices. Prosecutor Clyde O. Eastus was convinced that Clyde's mother won a cummy barrow. Cummy? Cummy? I have no idea. It's spelled yeah. C-U-M-I-E. Cummy. Yeah. She was the real la- real ringleader of the Barrow Gang. In court, he pointed directly here, and now she is the ringleader in this conspiracy. Uh, she did admit that she regularly met with her son and Bonnie to provide them with food, clothing, and shelter. According to a log on her wall at home, she met with a couple of the 20 times between December 1933 and March 1934. Uh, she also had previously defended her son and believed that he never actually hurt anybody. She told Dallas's Daily Times-Herald, Son, I said, did you do what they say you did in the papers? And he said, Mother, I haven't done nothing as anything as anything as bad as kills a man. She stressed, Clyde is not a murderer. That's the that's the newspaper I used to be the paperboy for. Uh, she was sentenced to 30 days in jail. His mom? Yep. <laughs> they didn't really have the goods on her, did they? No, not really. Huh. That's a shame. And then finally... The car is somewhere. Someone owns that yeah, car. Yeah, I forget who owns it now. It's not a museum or something. Inseparable during their final years, Bonnie and Clyde's last wish was to be buried next to each other, and it was not granted. Bonnie is buried at Crown Hill Memorial Park in Dallas, and Clyde is buried nine miles away at Western Heights Cemetery. Huh. Uh, Bonnie's niece, who at the time was her last living relative, said their desire was to be buried side by side. I think that's the way it should be. They made a spot next to Clyde for Bonnie back then, and that's actually still there. He does have a spot. To his, uh, to oh, so what is the who denied it? The county, the, the county. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, the reason behind their separate burials was that Bonnie's mother had never approved her daughter's relationship with Clyde. And Bonnie's niece explained, "I can't blame my grandmother for saying no at the time." She added, "You would be surprised how many times we were approached by those who asked why they weren't buried together and why can't they be buried together." A memorial dedicated to the officers who killed Bonnie and Clyde remains standing at the last stop at which the couple were allowed together before they were. What, like 40 cops' names on there? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they put a lot of bullets into that, uh, into those people. All right. Uh, All right. When we return, um, uh, talking about prisons, man, there's a prison system, actually, the whole system. In uh, Kentucky, that likes to get down, all right, with everybody. 
it's weird that uh, I didn't know this, but if you uh, if you if you bang a uh, guard of a prison, you're a prisoner, and you have sex with a guard, the guard's charged with rape. Yeah, because technically they can't as- consent to an authority figure. Huh. That's one of my best fantasies. <laughs> Hang on, it's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Hi, I'm Carson Kressley. Of all the resources in the world, kindness is the most precious. For more than 140 years, American Humane has been working to protect animals in disasters, on farms, on the silver screen, and in zoos and aquariums caring for the world's vanishing creatures. You can help too by making humane choices every day. Visit AmericanHumane.org for simple ways to build a more caring and compassionate world for all of us. I'm William Shatner, and I've been around a long time, but I'm truly humbled when I see the real battles our brave, paralyzed veterans have faced defending our freedom and when they come home. I had just come home from serving over in Germany. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later, I was paralyzed. While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. It left me paralyzed for the rest of my life. I was on a routine patrol, and uh, we were in the desert of Kuwait, and the vehicle flipped and landed on top of me, which uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, folks, this, this, this is heroism. That's why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America, because they've kept their promise to never leave a fallen soldier behind. A roof over the heads, accessible homes and cars, jobs, benefits. PVA has brought me back to life. Show them their sacrifice hasn't been in vain. Go to pva.org to learn how you can make a difference. Dad, guess what? What? You are going to be a grandfather. That's great. Not too long ago, moments like this with my daughter would have been a challenge. It was a long road for me to find myself again after Vietnam. It was my neighbor Jim, another Vietnam veteran, who finally convinced me that I could still connect with my family and find that fulfilling life I'd lost. And I went for help down at the VA. If I can take that first step after almost 50 years, I know other veterans can too. Visit maketheconnection.net to find out more. Girls and boys in poverty around the world are dreaming of a better life. Thanks to Children International and friends like you, dreams are coming true. Together we help children to learn, grow, and thrive. Learn more at children.org. Okay, men, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Wow, it is, uh, it's um, Katie bar the door at the uh, the prison system there. An investigation has revealed a total of 59 cases of employee on inmate sex in the uh, past five years. 35 of those cases involve possible criminal charges. I don't, and a total of 62 employees either were fired or resigned across 13 different state prisons uh, and one minimum security prison camp in Kentucky. Um, so, you know, if it was in one particular prison, um, I, you know, things get out of hand, you got a couple of bad 
you know, bad guards, bad COs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, because I don't think it's difficult to for any inmate in any prison to talk them into having sex with you. You know, if you're a female guard, a lot of females work in this position. Uh, any dude in there at any given moment, you could go and say, uh, hey, Jones, I need to see you. And then have him step out and follow me. And then, you know, into a, a, a mop closet and it's bang, bang. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a meat market for a female. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a sausage fest. Uh, most recently, a 42-year-old Amanda Kulka charged with a third-degree sodomy earlier this month for allegedly having a sexual relationship with an inmate half her age. The inmate's not identified, been serving a lengthy burglary, a sentence for burglary and assault and theft. Meanwhile, 14 others were caught smuggling in drugs like Suboxone and meth in exchange for money. One cop, uh, one, one officer faces charges for carrying a handgun. Uh, 59 cases of employment, employee on inmate. Uh, Earlier, uh, experts say that troubles Kentucky State Prisons. Uh, and they, they extend beyond inappropriate relationships with smuggling stuff in. Being a correctional officer, they say, is a very challenging job. Uh, in the popular imagination, we think of these uh, jobs as being exposed to extreme forms of violence. And, of course, that can happen. But more often, I think you're dealing with a mundane daily task and being unappreciated and underpaid and feeling isolated and overworked. Given where you're working, this can lead to some problems. In a federal lawsuit, Todd Stephen Boyce, 56, was accused of sexually abusing an inmate in multiple ways. Allegedly, prison officials were aware of his behaviors but made no effort to stop him. They said the guards at Kentucky State Prisons are not maintaining a proper distance from inmates, which ultimately led to the chaos. Boyce, who was then the head captain at Eastern Kentucky Correctional Complex, has pled not guilty to the criminal charges awaiting his trial. He bragged to the plaintiff that he had been previously accused of sexual abuse by other inmates and nothing happened to him. So no one would believe the plaintiff if he reported it. So it was a dude he sexually assaulted. Yes. Uh, in a different case, Trista Fox, charged with third-degree rape uh, in December 2022 after a fellow officer caught her having sex with an inmate in Kentucky State Penitentiary in Lyon County. The same year? Cynthia Cosman, former officer at Metro Corrections, was arrested for allegedly working with inmates and uh, others outside of the jail to smuggle in drugs. She was suspended and later turned herself in, charged with official misconduct. Experts say the guards at Kentucky State Prisons are not maintaining a proper distance. I don't mean, what is that? So you get too close, you're like, oh, yeah, I feel the sexual tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's smoldering. And they're just looking at them all the time in their little tiny cells. <laughs> um. Those Staff. female corrections officers have the pick of the litter. They can pick which Hell one yeah. they want. Hell yeah, and no one's going to complain. Staff have complete control over the inmates' lives. They say they decide if you get extra toilet paper, toothpaste, if you don't have any. Uh, if you're in an environment where you have nothing to bargain with, but your body, when you're dealing with people who hold the power, you may be forced to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do. Mm. <laughs> Everybody's getting laid in that prison. Uh, 
a deputy commissioner for adult institutions, uh, only said his office takes any allegations of wrongdoing seriously. We handle every piece of information the same way, whether that be contraband of a relationship or whatever. The truth of the matter is, if we're not handling these situations in a very aggressive manner, the numbers would not be what they are. The reason the numbers are so high is because we're doing what we're supposed to do. What? That doesn't make any sense. You know, if 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 there are 59 instances of employee on inmate sex that they've identified, you know that there's 150 they can't identify. I haven't identified. More than that, yeah. <laughs> Third degree sodomy. That means she just gave the guy a, <clears throat> a Hummer, or no? Uh, the he, the law states that also could be a considered forcible or uh, rape as well because you're a position of authority. Yes, that's what makes it so hot, though. <laughs> well, yeah, she's 46 and he's 21. Oh man, she must have been like a milf, or he wanted extra honey buns for the. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, maybe she's not really. Oh yeah, like that lady that. Uh, that prison escape, I forget where it was, Virginia, West Virginia. Uh, it was a hot three-way sex thing between this, this. at the time we hadn't seen a picture of her, a woman who was like 50 or 50, 55, and a couple of different dudes, she helped them escape. And, and then you finally saw a picture, like, oh, oh. And then you think, they were in prison. And she offered them a way out, among mm-hmm. other things. Might as well, you know. Give her what for a couple of times. Mm-mm-mm. The old what for. The old what. That's what they want. They want the what for. Uh, in California, the new wage goes into effect. The new minimum wage, there's 20 bucks. Uh, a lot of places are uh, fast food joints are going to have to. Uh, they're, they're leaping from $16 an hour to 20 bucks an hour. That's a pretty substantial raise. Oh, California's going to look so beautiful in their fast food restaurants with all the robots running them. Yeah, that's true. Um, except one place, one restaurant chain has managed to wiggle its way out of this requirement. Uh, and that one is Panera. Panera Bread. And the he, they are exempt. The, the owner of uh, Panera uh, is a big donor to, uh, his name is Flynn, a big donor to Newsom. Uh, he owns two dozen Panera locations in California. So the exemption, a lot of people are like, well, how does he, you know, what's going on? Uh, especially after the governor came out and said, you know, uh, it's part of the sausage making of politics. Uh, Newsom's office said the wage law was a result of countless hours of negotiations with dozens of stakeholders over two years. Blah, 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 blah. Flynn, who's been involved in uh, business dealings with Newsom, in addition to con- contributing to his campaign, he said in a conversation he didn't play a role in crafting the exemption. The exemption is if you are a restaurant that makes bread on site, you're exempt. How did they get away with this one? You would think a restaurant that makes bread on site should actually do $25 an hour. Like That's a more dangerous job when you're making oh, bacon bread. bread and kneading yeah. it and all that. Um. Uh, well, then they 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 were trying to reconsider whether fast casual restaurants like Panera should be considered even as fast food, according to people familiar with the discussion. Uh, but the, he, because he, somehow this guy Flynn talked the whoever's crafting this law to exempt 
restaurants that are bakeries. And may, look, I'm sure a lot of other bakeries are happy about it in California. You know, a little mom and pop, if, if those still exist, uh, bakeries or big bakeries, they'd be exempt from it, too, because they actually really make bread there. Yeah, but they're not uh, fast food. Say they weren't under there to begin with. Uh, so I know that Jimmy John's and uh, uh, Jersey Mike's and maybe Subway, I don't know about Subway, they, they do cook the bread on site, but it's the dough is and uh, is sent to them proofed, uh, ready to go into their oven. So because they don't need it, you know, make the dough, they're not exempt. Only the, and I guess Panera makes it all right there in the bakery, right? Uh, I guess they do on that. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been at a Panera. Jimmy John's makes their own bread on site, so maybe they're clear of it too, but I don't know. Are there a lot of Jimmy John's in I know California? The, the, uh, and Jersey Mike's cooks their bread there, but I don't know. that. I'm sure Jersey Mike's, uh, these, you know, the central lo- location for the corporation sends you, you order it from them. They send you these frozen little pods of dough. You put them in the oven, and they're ready to go. Like, you didn't make the bread there. It was made in, uh, you know, in the factory. Pretty crafty, though. Yeah, Jersey Mike's is sent out from a supplier in Jersey. Uh, Panera locations and a handful of other eateries get a break on wages. The competitors are bracing for this. It takes effect in April. McDonald's has estimated this wage law is going to cost each California location a quarter of a million dollars a year. Uh, they call it a devastating financial blow. <clears throat> um, Chipotle is the same way. They're considering a price increase to offset the extra expense. Uh, but the bakery exemption, the head of the National Restaurant Association told the industry conference last year that everyone's scratching their head about the red exemption. She described the provision as an example of why her organization's members should develop political connections to seek better legislative outcomes. She said, you may be celebrating or you may be lamenting the bakery exemption, but remember, all of that comes through relationships. So what you, the, the NRA is basically telling restaurateurs is grease your local politicians, Right. But I mean, this is what's happening. Panera's is got they they got an exemption because they make some bread on the on on their own site. But wait, wait that's I mean, you got to admit it's an odd exemption, and 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 I'm sure that the legislators in the state of California that sat around to contemplating this bill said, you know what we ought to do? I think we ought to exempt people to break bake their own bread on site. And and and, and, what, and then someone said, well, why is that? How? Why? Would you? Well, because uh, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, what is the because it's an age-old no, practice of, br- of making bread, and it's very special, and uh, it's more expensive, it's uh, costly. No, because the billionaire owner Panera called his buddy Gavin Newsom <laughs> and said, "Hey, Gavin, can you figure out something that yeah. would be different than everybody else?" Got to wiggle my way out of this one. I got an idea. Yeah. And Listen Gavin to me. called up to one of his local representatives and said, "Hey, um, so I and need here- you to tell you need you to put in the part of the bill that uh, people that bake their own bread aren't don't have to pay twenty dollars an hour." Come what on, about what about a place? What about a pizza joint that makes its own crust? It's not baking their own bread. <laughs> Crust and bread are two different things. Oh, they got breadsticks. I'm more like places like Jimmy John's and th- that slice their own meats should be under the under that exempt too. Yeah, why not? They do it at Jersey Mike's. They slice it right there mm-hmm. in front of you. It's wonderful. Uh, well, spiders. I don't know. What, all I know is that when it comes out of there, it's a hot, steamy, gooey, delicious mess. Um, in Memphis, that's, I, you know, Memphis is a really, uh, it's, it's bad. A lot of crime, a lot of gangs. You wouldn't think so, but it is. 
The mayor there has decided he, he needs to do something about it. I like his style. The mayor, uh, Paul Young, um, has he's come up with a plan to deal with a, uh, a couple of gang or maybe a few gangs in the area that are making things very uh, deadly, very dangerous. A lot of people getting shot, a lot of people uh, uh, getting killed. And so he, I don't know how he does this. Um, but at the uh, Community Foundation of Greater Memphis, the mayor got together gang leaders and negotiated with them. Um, they uh, He opened up about the meeting with Memphis gangsters during a panel discussion about youth workforce development, the mayor said gang members told him they want good-paying jobs and the training needed to get those jobs. My ask for them, he said in that conversation, was can we get a seven-day ceasefire? Just seven days where there's no shooting and no killing. And they said, yeah, we'd be willing to do that. And he said they gave me a couple of caveats. The gangs wanted assurances that their enemies would agree to the ceasefire. The only thing they said was, well, you know, our young guys, they need money. They need money in their pockets. That's the way you can change it. Gang members said, uh, gang members said young want good jobs and the upskilling needed to get them. I don't think that's what they were. The gang, when they said our young guys need money in their pockets, I think they're talking about give them some money. Yeah, that's weirdly, what, do they think that they're going to get together and the Memphis mayor's like, all right, that's why we have decided to open up a new retail store called Gangs for Clothes, where we got all these guys hired and they're going to sell you some clothes and just get these guys some money in their pockets. Yeah, and it's like gang clothes that they want, you know, yeah. like red scarves, blue scarves, bandanas, the chinos, the uh-huh. white shirts, this is just button right here, you know? And you got to keep uh, Tito and uh, One-Eyed Joe on either side of the store <laughs> so they don't start shooting each other up. And and one side's the Crips and one side's the Bloods. That's how you do it. Um, the uh, They got a $275,000 donation from J.P. Morgan Chase, a nonprofit company there. Uh, the money will fund two grant, uh, a two-year grant to develop Opportunity Youth Advanced Green Manufacturing Workforce Pathway Program. Boy, that's got to that's gotta be shortened. That sounds uh, exciting. Opportunity Youth Advanced Green Manufacturing Work, Workforce Pathway Program. They say Memphis has 45,000 young adults between 16 and 25 that are out of school and or out of work. Half of them are in poverty. Uh, and uh, they say not so different from gang leaders that he spoke with. They said, according to the mayor... We don't have programs at our community centers. We we don't have things to do. So we go out and steal cars and we ride around with our friends. So if there was a couple of basketball courts, you stop stealing cars and riding around. That's always the lie that they try to say. Look, I'm encouraged that, uh, A, this guy's got some balls, I think, to reach out to these gang members. Uh, and I'm wondering how the meeting went down, if he like had, had some 40s brought in, you know, on ice. Did he have the, a metal detector right there? Oh, there? hell like, yeah, like, you better beep, believe. This guy's got like a bin of guns. All right. Yeah, a whole your- big basket full of guns <laughs> up front. All right, put your guns down here, fellas. Uh, but, you know, he, he said the other thing they said was, I talk like them and I don't know the power that I have, 
They said, I would never imagine the mayor would be willing to talk to us directly. If you come to our hood, if you come over here and ask them to put the guns down, they will do it because they've never seen anybody like you in their community talking directly to them. I imagine it was that don't simple. Believe that. I don't believe that there's a bunch of uh, uh, gangbangers that are like, oh, man, if only the mayor would come by and talk to us every once in a while. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, it does sound a little far-fetched, but, and for them to say they need good paying jobs and the training in order to get those jobs doesn't sound very thuggish to me. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, excuse me, Mr. Uh, One-Eye, what do your people need in order to stop gang banging? Need cheddar. Greenbacks or our people require permanent employment in the industries of the choice with proper training to excel in said industry. And you know, they said they need money. Our young guys need money, they want money. Okay, well, we can train you for jobs, but you actually have to show up for the work and do all those things. That's the point because they're you're clearly in a I, I thought. You were in a game because A, you enjoyed it, and B, you didn't want to have a real job. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what the, it's always said. Oh, well, they just never had a chance. They never had that step up to get out of the gang, get out into the real world. And then, of course, we've seen many times we we're like, all right, here's uh, we're helping you guys out. Uh, here's the ability to uh, we're running a community center. You know, we're going to run one of these little like uh, city gardens so you guys can come out there and do the city <laughs> garden. I mean, and weirdly, nobody shows up. And saying they got nothing to do would be like you and I are out, out, are out of a job, and like I'm over at your place, we're playing uh, uh, video games because we have no job, and I'm like, dude, I'm really bored. Let's go steal a car. And it's just never. It's like I don't have a job, so I guess I'll go steal a car and ride around with my buddies. Well, Memphis needs all the help they can get. Um. If you want to, or if you even uh, question whether or not Trump's going through something that no other American president has gone through, um, uh, and uh, just an absolute barrage of attacks and lawsuits uh, uh, out of thin air uh, in order to, for the one goal of preventing from running for president again. Well, it's happening somewhere else. Former president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, is under the same thing. He uh, is a couple of headaches he's been dealing with since leaving office a year ago, banned from running for office until 2030, uh, investigated for plotting a coup to remove his uh, successor from power, stripped of his passport. um, But, and the latest thing, you want to talk about a witch hunt, A video started to circulate on social media of a man seen riding a personal watercraft close to a whale, seemingly recording the encounter with a cell phone. Federal prosecutors in Brazil are now investing, investigating the case and in, and in fact investigating. They believe it's Yair Bolsonaro on the personal watercraft and he is being <laughs> investigating for harassing a whale. You're supposed to keep a minimum distance of 100 meters from the whales. Any intentional attempt to get closer can lead to a sentence of up to two to five years in prison and a hefty fine. That's how we know that Trump has never harassed a whale before, because that footage would be everywhere as well. (laughs) 
Oh, look, a whale. Let's go up there closer and poke it with the oar. <laughs> Do we have something I can stab it with? <laughs> oh, my God. That is harassing a whale, man. I got to hand it to you. That's a pretty... And they have no idea if it's even him. <laughs> they know. saw a video that looks like him, so right. they went into a full investigation on if he's harassing <laughs> a whale. Uh, they believe, uh, they think he uh, tried to overthrow or overthrow the government. It's, it's his own little January 6th thing there. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why he was banned from running for office until 2030. I don't know what. Because they did charge him with all that stuff. Okay. And now they're going to, they're going to, they, that, that didn't put him in jail. He just can't run again. He he was here in, in Orlando yeah. at the Publix getting a rotisserie chicken not too long ago. Uh, Brazil has some fun politics because I believe, I want to say Lulu's back in again. Yeah. And he's been arrested multiple times as well. And they just, they flip-flops. Now, Bolsonaro will probably get back in in 2030, but well, then we'll find out that Lulu again was, was breaking a bunch of laws, which is why he was arrested the last time. And That's where we're headed. You know? That is, Brazil is what uh, really the Democrats wish we could have. Where every time the other person leaves office, you arrest them for whatever else they've done during yeah. the time they were in office. That's what. Well, yeah, that seems to be you know the the precedent has been set. You know, who's to say that Trump won't have a Biden charge with a whole host of stuff? He won't get the he won't get the judicial cooperation though. That's the problem. Harassing a whale. How do you plead, Bolsonaro? Guilty. F that whale. <laughs> Someone tells me, I hear Bolsonaro is not out on the, on the water on a jet ski. Oh, he might be. You think? Yeah. But also, I'd be like, all right, bring that whale in as a witness if you think I harass that whale. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, all right. When we return, our buddy John Jensen will join us. Uh, also, uh, ladies with uh, uh, female orgasmic disorder, help us on the way. Hang on, it's a Shannon Burke show. Well, let me get my things ready here. And the help comes in the way of uh, marijuana, believe it or not. <laughs> it's a Shannon Burke show on the Florida Man Radio Network. While serving in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. They didn't think I was going to make it. I'm Latoya Lucas, and I'm a veteran. I had to learn to live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like Latoya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Tonellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. Wednesdays uh, means we check in with our friend John Jensen, the voice of reason. Many refer to him as. You can find him where you get your social media at Fix the Nation. He's a great follow. You can follow me at The Burke Show while you're at it. John, how are you? How you been? I'm doing very well. Busy, busy week, dude. Yeah. Busy, busy week. Where do you want to? I mean, there, it was, last week was a busy, busy week. Uh, you know, It's always a busy, busy week, especially in election year, but it just seems... And I'm, I don't mean to bash on, bash on Republicans, but, you know, we, we tend to shoot ourselves in the foot a lot. Yep. 
And I think that's one of our frustrations with leadership is just get your crap together. Uh, give me an example. Um, we had a border deal in the Senate, so we vote that down. But then we turn around and the Senate with Republicans voting to support Ukraine, Taiwan and Israel getting money, but without our border getting money. So we, we took a border bill, took out the border and made it a foreign aid package. And we had more support for that than we did for fixing our own border. Oh, that yeah. just sounds really counterintuitive to what we do. We lost McCarthy last year, and we lost uh, McConnell today. I mean, I've never never heard of a party losing both Senate and House leadership in the same year, not via election. Why? What do you make of McConnell, uh, his stepping down? I mean, oh, one, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I am <laughs> that's, too. That's my shortest answer. Um Side note, I am I am hugely in favor. If they choose to go with Tim Scott, I would be thrilled with that pick. He's level-headed. He's passionate. He's got a great story. He does not have demons, you know, meaning it's not, he isn't a, a trash talker kind of a person. We need a steady hand. It's a, it's a deliberate body. We need a deliberate, strong hand. I think he's one of those guys. Um, that being said... I think McConnell didn't have a lot of support left. I think when he rallied to go kind of get behind this Ukraine-Taiwan-Israel package, and that's not, that's not where our party is right now. We're done with this whole send billions and billions and hundreds of billions overseas while we ignore the crisis at our border. Deal with that. You know, and I, I think he got really, really behind in that and coming out of the meeting with the white house i'd be curious if he didn't hear some crap from the house republicans on that like which side are you on dude oh um well i've been asking him uh, that in my head for a, for a long time now like i said i'm thrilled he's going we'll be better off i think we're better off when when the, the and again a lot of listeners aren't going to agree with me on this but from a bipartisan standpoint when Washington does not have Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, Trump, McConnell type people in it, we'll be better off overall. overall. Um, speaking of uh, Pelosi, the the Texas federal court, a Texas judge there, a federal judge has found that the one point six or one point seven trillion dollar omnibus that we passed was indeed passed uh, unconstitutionally. We we didn't the their Democrats didn't have a quorum. Uh, and proxy voting happened, uh, but like, like the judge also said, that you, not much you can do about it because most of the money has been spent. But the laws that were stuck in there, like a couple of laws that affect Texas and uh, pregnant women and how employers, whatever, uh, those don't have to be followed any longer. It's it seems to be uh, where you know, twenty twenty, there were a lot of states that changed election rules unconstitutionally they simply uh whisked it through had a judge sign it drew it drew it up um you know according to the constitution those things have to be legislatively done um there's a disregard for our constitution now but the game seems to be disregard the constitution uh achieve the goal and then later go oh yeah Yeah, there's nothing you do about the goal that was achieved Uh, it's it's Maddening to me, but then the money, like you said, the money's all been, you know, spent. So 
It's no big deal. Uh, primary Correct. primary season has uh, been solidified at Trump, I think, more than ever. But Nikki Haley is going to stay on board. What are her motiva- motivations? Oh, geez. Um, I, I think she's in it for one of two reasons. One is I think she hates Trump. Um, and I think she's in it to kind of stir the pot with him. There's also a, a, a thought out there that if Trump does get into legal issue, let's pretend he gets convicted tomorrow and that becomes an issue. He no longer can be the candidate. Well, she's the one still in the race. You know, so part of me is her longevity is kind of playing a little bit different game. But she is, and I'm just going to say that wolf in, in, in sheep's clothing, yep. a little like the Liz Cheney role. Yep. Liz Cheney made a, a comment about a year ago that if, you know, if, if Trump with it, she'll keep Trump away. I mean, she could just jump in and garner some support. And if he loses 5% to her of the never Trumpers, of the independents, of whoever, Trump loses. You know, and I think that's Nikki Haley's role right now to kind of aggravate him. And to stick around and see where his legal challenges take him. But I will say this. If she's not going to get the big money from donors, yeah. she won't be in it very long. She's She'll lost it, the Koch know, brothers. For, for months and months and months. She'll yeah. be in it for a few movies. Koch brothers are out. And uh, there's another one of our big donors. that uh, The guy that owns LinkedIn, he's out. Uh, mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, the, she'll stay in there. Uh, will she just make it on uh, small donors, individual donors? I, she doesn't get a lot of small donors. She made. She spent seventy. You know, that's, that's, she spent seventy six. She spent seventy six million so far in the primary race to beat Donald Trump. Seventy six million. Well, huh. but she has a great track record on those in those primaries to to show for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's sarcasm. I get it. But I mean, you can't win your home state. I mean, you know, she did a little better there than she did in in, uh, Michigan. But uh, that's a problem. And to stay in it to to win it to me, it's it's you're not. That's the sign that she's not really um, with the party, I think. You know what I mean? I think the majority of the party, obviously, 100 percent. She has no chance of actually getting the traditional nomination. None. Zero. She didn't have a chance going into this, you know, not when going up against Trump. And if Trump wasn't in it, I don't think that she's the default answer. Let's let's say Trump had decided not to run. I think if it's DeSantis and Ramaswamy and um, Chris Christie and all that that hurt again, I think DeSantis does a lot better. Ramaswamy probably does a little bit better. I don't think she becomes that rising star, you know, in, in Trump's absence. No, I don't. So, I don't either. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be curious how long she stays in it and how much the money will let her stay in it. Uh, yeah, she's gonna, you know, uh, like she said herself today. We've only been through a handful of states or a lot of states to go, and uh, if you don't have two big fat donors behind you, it's gonna make it uh, all the uh, all the more difficult. Uh, I did see where Marianne that's Williamson because those, those the, the big if you're the big if you go through this with the big money, you can stay in it for almost forever. Or if you're self-funded, you can go in it forever. But if you're not one of those two camps, you better really, really grab the grassroots mentality. And I will use Bernie Sanders as an easy example. You know, he had an army of yeah. people that were willing to send him money almost endlessly. You know, Trump, well, I mean, his first run got a lot of grassroots, you know, people that had never been in politics. 
were willing to send him money. Right. You know, that, right. that was really appealing. And I love, I, by the way, I love when the little guy, people like me, you, the, the Main Street voter, just the, the chuckleheads across the, this nation, get involved with, with saying something and, and having a voice and sending in a couple of dollars and, yeah. you know, picking a horse in the race. I think that's really healthy for us. If you have corporations and back rooms installing a candidate, it's really sad because then we're just a token vote. Uh, that just that just diminishes everything about the process. I agree. What do you make of Biden's physical today? The fact that he uh, they claims he doesn't need a cognitive uh, test at all. So do you think this was something they had scheduled and that just had to play out or something they scheduled to give them a reason to say he doesn't need this? I think the latter. I think the latter. I I do believe they they did this, you know, to to, to follow up after the the her report, which is they're still battling. Uh, You know, you heard people go out and and uh, on the meet the press and all these other Sunday shows and say how sharp he was. And he's just immensely uh, uh, intense and intellectual and and pursuing and pursuant to. And and you have to be really prepared to talk to the man. Um, And we've all seen him in public and we see uh, 180 degrees from that. So, yeah, I think. I think they went out and said uh, 20 doctors allegedly looked at him and said, you know, you're younger than you than we think or you're too young to be. We don't know what's going on. And, and you definitely don't need a cognitive, uh, you know, uh, exam whatsoever. It, I think it's I think it's the latter. I think it's fluff. Right. And, and none of it is going to convince anybody to change their opinion. His base will say he is a rock star and people that don't like him are going to say he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, diminished capacity or et cetera, et cetera. At the end of the day, he'll still be the nominee if he wants to be the nominee. And by the way, if the Democrats do decide to change horses after the primaries, like at their, you know, convention, he says, oh, I'm not going to run again. And they just take a floor vote and install somebody else. Right. Oh, I think that's a whole bunch of crap. <laughs> yeah, that is going to be. You do primaries for a reason. You let the voters pick the candidate. You that's... don't You don't have the leadership pick the candidate, install the candidate, and just simply go on to the race. You don't get to pick Michelle or Newsom or, you know, whoever, you know, chucklehead number three. Yeah, you know, I agree. That's, that's, that's incredible. If I'm a voter, I would be incensed by that, no matter what party I'm in. And, and if that happens, John, I'm going to be amazed and 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 uh, with the way the media responds to it, because you... You've got people uh, in the media right now. I mean, it's got to be very difficult, I think, as a journalist or a would-be or a wannabe journalist to be privy to the same displays and behavior of Biden in public that, that everyone else is via the media and and go up and say this about him and that. I mean, uh, when he was on, um, what was that night show, uh, Seth Meyers, and he said, well, you look at my, look at my uh, opponent. Uh, he can't even remember his wife's name. And he had, Trump had a guffaw or something one time uh, in the in the recent week, whatever. The headline was, John, Biden savages Trump with uh, about Trump's savages, Trump's mental state. Right. He, he savaged him. That was a savage. The media's devotion to him has got to be very difficult at this time because they're they're seeing what we're seeing and they have to spin it a different way. And they're also going to have to get behind whatever scheme the Democrats cook up to put in another candidate. (laughs) You ever watch a football game and the refs are calling everything on one team and nothing on the other team? Yes. And it feels like it's a two on one challenge (laughs) and you almost turn the you could be your favorite team. But you almost want to turn it off right? because it's just so disgusting to watch play out and you feel helpless, right? 
the yeah. exact same thing. When you have the media and the Democrats team up against Republicans, it's it's just it's so brutally unfair, and it's why people don't trust the media at all. Yeah. Media's trust levels around where Congress is. Oh you yeah, know? and this should be something we should we should trust. We need a fourth estate. We need a bridge from government to people and back again. So we have a grip on what is real, and the people in the, in the press office should actually be fighting for us. They should be asking really yeah. tough questions, demanding answers for the people. I don't care what party's in the White House. They should be demanding answers and, and, and vilifying them if they don't get the answers. They're, they're, you know, they and don't, they don't question. to us so we know what the hell's going on. They don't question this. Uh, you know, there's one guy or two guys. You know, you get Ducey, maybe a couple other reporters in that room that that ask uh, difficult questions, oftentimes not following up the way they should. Uh, but that's about it. And, and you're right. Uh, there, I see a little bit of change in legacy mainstream media these days because. I mean, they've gotten to the point where they know that you know that Biden is in decline, and they know that by continuing to defend him, uh, it's going to be a bad look for them. So some of them are starting to come out of the woodwork and kind of softening it up a little bit that, uh, yeah, he may, you know, he had a guffaw, he had this gap, blah, 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 blah. But I wonder, there's going to come a time uh, when they are going to have to switch gears and say, yeah, you're right, uh, we really like uh, Newsom or whoever, and it's time Biden gave up and gave over to to to, to young leadership and fresh leadership. And uh, to me, that's yeah, I, don't, I don't think they'll I don't think they'll do that. But what's going what's going to make me crave? Let's pretend Trump wins in November, okay? All right. This time next year, the toothless wimps that are in that press room will become this frothing mad dog <laughs> after a bone. With every little whimsical twist and verbiage yeah. that Trump does, you know, and I, I when I'm tell, talking to people, I try to use the shoes on the other foot rule. OK, yep. pretend that a Republican was doing everything Biden was doing. What would, you know, mean diminished capacity or, you know, um, crimes going up or inflation or the border or two trillion dollar uh, deficits? What would the media do if it was a Republican in the White House? They would just be crushing yep. this person day after day after relentlessly. Uh, it shouldn't be a partisan effort. It should be go find truth. Go report what is. Yep. Go challenge power because it needs challenging. They, that's, that's, you need to speak truth to power. You have to if you're them, if you're yeah. us. They they don't because speak. They won't, do, they won't self police. That's not how government works. They don't speak truth to power. They actually run interference and support everything. I mean, you have AOC and others that say that this uh, uh, migrant crisis and the border crisis is all an illusion. It's not that bad. And and crime. The you know the the, the you know this this girl uh, uh, Lakey Lakin her her murder by that illegal alien the. It, AP immediately turned it into a safety while jogging for women story, uh, totally disregarding the man that bashed her head, her skull so bad that it disfigured her. Uh, and they ran cover for him when uh, they knew he was an illegal alien as well until they could no longer do it. I mean, it's that kind of thing that I'm like, what, aren't you an American? You're willing to uh, uh, to carry the water for this guy who's hurting you. I, I don't I don't know why. I'll never understand that. Maybe it's the money. Who knows? Um, and it. it Unfortunately, the truth is they're going to be for these policies until it gets onto their doorstep. 
Remember Black Lives Matter? The, the, the mayors of these cities would be, oh, you know, it's fine. It's peaceful. It's a, an assembly right up until it got to their personal neighborhood, to their block. Yeah. Then they'd call the police to support and protect the homes. Stop. <laughs> you cannot That's think so of it that way. You can't be okay until it's wrong because you personally will suffer. Yeah. Sanctuary cities and states getting burdened by these bus loads and plane loads and train loads of, of aliens coming across and being shipped up there. Now, all of a sudden, the Massachusetts to Chicago's are feeling pain from their own policies. Yeah. That was but genius. until you change it, until you change it, you deserve to feel pain. It's your policies that are doing this. Adams. Your policies, by the way, San Francisco, Macy's and Saks are both closing yeah. in Union Square. Because the policies are literally making it not worthwhile for San Francisco to have those two kind of flagship locations. Right. Uh, Adam, Mayor, Mayor Adams is calling for changes in, in his, his own sanctuary law. They're in the New York City sanctuary law. It, 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 the law prevents local law enforcement from having any contact whatsoever with federal uh, immigration officials, ever. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, and when, and think, when, I, when I think about policy, Policy is a comprehensive thing. What the Democrats have are liberal ideals. Their thoughts, their little, short little riffs. They're not really complete songs. They're just little riffs, these little sound bites, these little things of, well, you know, victimless crimes. Well, that really sounds good, right up until there are victims. You know, right. well, we don't want to infringe on people. We want to support them. But it doesn't work. It creates chaos and decay. And the people that are paying taxes are the ones who suffer, so they move. You literally are sabotaging the very thing you should be supporting and protecting by being elected. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just an insanity. Tomorrow we've got dueling border visits. Trump announced his first, uh, the, the way I understand it. Biden scrambled to schedule one. Trump's going to Eagle Pass. That's where the action is. Uh, Biden's going to Brownsville, which is kind of a sleepy little border crossing for tourists. What do you expect to come out of tomorrow? Absolutely nothing but photo ops. Um, Biden's going to one of the quietest places on the border because there's basically less to clean up. You know, he can be showed places that there, there are very little people coming across at facilities that are almost empty. You know, oh, no big deal. There's no crisis. Nothing to see here. Right. You know, and Trump's going to go down there and, you know, not gaslight it, but, you know, you know, it's a horror show. It's the worst ever. You know, my policies worked. You know, his failed. Vote for me. It's, <laughs> it's photo ops on both sides. No, uh I mean, obviously, we're at the in an election year because you now you've got Biden out openly talking about I got to do this about the border. I got he hasn't been to the border to actual actually to you know to the border itself. He's been I think uh, close, um, and he is giving speeches about being getting tougher on crime and things of that nature. It's like he uh, we've been destroying the country uh, for three years, but now we want to let you know that we're on top of it. When immigration pops up at the very top of the list of what concerns voters the most, he makes a trip down to the uh, to Brownsville and announces that he's got some executive action coming. Um, I, don't, I don't understand why people still buy it. Will people buy this? I mean, will any changes come of it? Um, no, no changes. They'll, they'll spin it. He'll, he'll write something up, executive order-wise, say he did something on the border. You know, uh, he got a lot of support while he was down there. It's not as bad as people make it out. You know, it's the media telling lies, whatever. Right. Um, it, that being said, let's get this straight. <laughs> We need comprehensive immigration reform. That's just a, that's a statement. 
if Trump were smart, he would go down there and say something like, you, you know, you people in Washington are the problem. You guys want to send $95 billion overseas to protect the sovereignty and borders of three other nations, and you fail miserably to send $1 to our own border and put us at risk by, our, by lacking protections for our own sovereignty and border. Do your job, D.C. Put me in office and I'll do it. Something like that. Okay, Challenge them to fix the U.S. border before they send $95 billion overseas. Yeah. Well... You're right. No one ever does challenge them. Not not in a not in a public nope. matter. Why you don't you care about the border? Go on offense. All all I'm we, a big fan. But when you have, when you have the when you have the high ground, use it. You don't sit on high ground and wait to be attacked. You sit on high ground so you can take people in lower in uh, at lower points. Right. You do that for offense, not defense. Well. Uh, what do you make about your Floridian guy? What do you make about the uh, Florida high school athletes uh, could maybe soon be eligible for NIL deals? Say that one more time. The Florida Florida, Florida high athletes. school athletes may soon be eligible for their own NIL name, image, likeness deals where they get paid uh, if they're a football star. You know, um, I I think it's a little. I don't, I don't think it's really going to pay out for a lot of people, but there are people, LeBron, okay, um, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, back when he, he was, Trevor Lawrence was looked at when he was something like in seventh grade. There are people in eighth and ninth grade wanted to sign him, like, you know, as an agent. Right. You know, and that's just, that's just crazy thing. But, but if you're someone like that, okay, maybe I get it. If you're one of the Manning brothers, you know, back in the day, okay. I kind of get that. You know where they're going. So, hey, get along for the ride. I, I'm a fan of people making a living. Yeah. Everyone else is making money off them. Right. Okay. But now the question is, are they still considered amateur athletes? Ooh. You I know, say the same thing about are. college or college people. Yeah, maybe because they're not being paid uh, specifically to play the game by the team. They're being sponsored or supported by some third party, you know, some car dealership or the alumni association or whatever. Right, so you can get paid for your likeness and your name, and get sponsors, but then you can still turn around and play in the Olympics because you're an amateur athlete, <laughs> where they sponsor you with money as well, right? Right. Yeah, you know, thank so it's, you. It's just kind of an interesting twist. We don't really have any amateurs left anymore. Everyone's sponsored by point. somebody. That's a very good point. There is no real amateurs anymore. No, not unless you're rich. I mean, literally, if you're the, <laughs> if you're the kid of a multimillionaire and you. Grow up on a tennis court or a golf course. Okay. You know, you probably don't need outdoor money, outside money. Right. That being said, most people are not like that. Most people need something to get what they need to get. Yeah. You know, they're a great raw talent, but they need, you know, a trainer, nutrition, training, um, go to different camps. They need somebody to foot the bill for that. That's a good point. Yeah, so. Good point. John Jensen, ladies and gentlemen, find him where you get your social media at Fix the Nation. A great follow. John, I appreciate it, brother. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next you, week. Man. Thank Bye-bye. you, man. See you. All right. Oh, when we return, four states are set to consider making female orgasmic disorder a medical marijuana qualifying condition. I'm just imagining the poor ladies have to go tell their doctor that. Like, I need weed. I can't get off. <laughs> or go to your doctor and say, I can't, I can't have an orgasm. Maybe try some weed. I'd really get it. <laughs> <laughs> you're a, you're a march as well. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network.
As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. I'm Latoya Lucas, and I'm a veteran. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Hi, I'm Marcel Spears. Keeping our global neighborhood safe is a tough job, one made just a bit safer with the help of America's brave military dogs. These dogs, who often take the same risks and make the same sacrifices as our human warriors, keep our troops safe by sniffing out bombs and IEDs, locating enemy positions, and bringing a sense of comfort and home to an almost unimaginable circumstance. Yet, when these brave canine heroes retire, they're not always given the same treatment as our military VIPs and are too often left overseas. American Humane works to bring home these valiant dogs and reunite them with the people who mean the most to them, their handlers, so they can enjoy happy, healthy, well-deserved retirements. To learn how you can help America's four-footed heroes, visit AmericanHumane.org. states are uh, on track to consider adding female orgasmic disorder, otherwise known as FOD, as a specific qualifying condition for medical marijuana. They say their growing body of research showing that cannabis can significantly improve orgasmic frequency, ease, and satisfaction in people with FOD. Ohio's in the process of weighing that charge. They announced FOD, along with autism spectrum disorder, would move forward for expert review and public comment following petitions. In Illinois, they're set to meet next month about adding FOD. Uh, New Mexico slated to consider the issue in May, according to organizers for the nonprofit group Female Orgasm Research Institute. Female Orgasm. Hold on, I'm going to look that up. Give me two seconds here. Female Orgasm Research Institute. Connecticut's looking to add the addition. <clears throat> the Susan Mulville, founder of the Female Orgasm Research Institute. Uh, That's is, not even a good name. Forey? No, it's not. I can think of someone. I don't know if you say on the, ra- on the radio. <laughs> uh, the, the leaders behind this push, uh, they recognize the uh, benefits cannabis can offer people with FOD. It affects 41% of women worldwide. The uh, research goes back to the 70s. Man, everything on this website is flower designed. Really? Yeah. Smoking marijuana, consuming marijuana before sex can increase the likelihood of orgasm or multiple orgasms, ease the orgasm difficulty, and boost satisfaction. She wrote a, her dissertation for a PhD on clinical sexology about cannabis for the management of FOD. 
Some women have more mental health issues or more on the, pharma, uh, on the pharmaceutical medication. Uh, they have more anxiety, depression, PTSD, more sexual abuse histories. It's not just about pleasure. It's about a human right. Are you interested in the three things that surprised me about Kundalini yoga? Uh, what, what, what is that? I mean, it's an article on this, on this lady's webpage. Kundalini mm-hmm. and yoga? What is that? No, it's Kundalini yoga. Kundalini yoga, okay. Yeah, she learned it during the pandemic. It's an ancient yoga practice from the tantric and ta- Taoist traditions. Is that like uh, exercising the uh, vagina, mm-hmm. vaginal yoga? Like down, downward? It dog. causes a... Uh, Discover deep and rich sensations in my body. Uh-huh. Anything I ever experienced? Any type of other yoga? Go on. <laughs> she looks like exactly like the lady that's talking about her uh, orgasms too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those are the. Oh yeah. That's the. That's the. Uh, I don't know about a girl. I don't, well, it's not real hot. If you're not the one, you know, giving them to her. Well, can you go to your doctor? I mean, so like, like, I, I've got FOD? Well, no, just be like, hey, I want to help women out. I want to be that guy that is helping all the women with their FOD. Uh, so I'd like marijuana. Just as much as you can. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a medication for that or you know what i mean they got that weird uh female viagra that's going around oh yeah and they also have uh you could have it steamed like uh maybe it needs a good steaming yeah it's got too many wrinkles in it that's probably the issue isn't that what one of the paltrow does Mm -hmm. well maybe you need some rocks so those rocks you like so much or stones rather i don't know (laughs) (laughs) your pelvic floor is too weak or maybe your guy doesn't got any game that's something to do with it uh, well, so just get him high as balls and see what happens. Uh, numerous online surveys have been uh, reported positive associations between marijuana and sex. One study even found a connection between the passage of marijuana laws and increased sexual activity. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of just uh, uh, having it be recreational. You know, the the whole medical hullabaloo is just to make money. Uh, anyone, anybody, inf- anyone that's of age will get approved for a mar- medical marijuana card. Yeah. They don't turn anybody down. It costs they, you about 250 bucks. Yeah. You guys got to pay the doctor to do it. And then you've got to pay that same doctor once a year. Uh, to to three re- times a year now renew it, and then you got to get the card renewed on a weird schedule, it's like once every seven months or something like that. It's all about churning uh, tax dollars and money for industries and doctors and blah. And yeah, it's it's yeah, I know. I, I mean, I don't have one, but my, I have to t- had to take my brother to get his, and it's always in like a shady shopping plaza. To get the card, deep, yeah, <laughs> deep downtown somewhere. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to do that. My doctor, my real doctor does it for me, so I don't have to mess with it. But, yeah, it's always at a strip center somewhere. It, it is, and I, I always take him because I'll go. I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, I'll drive you out there. But the, and they're so nonchalant. But there's, like, a part of the waiting room is, like, three people deep, but there's always 30 people standing in line. So I'm like, I'll sit in my truck. And so two hours later, he's finally done. Ugh. And I'm like, what did the doctor talk about? They he goes, don't. He's like, are you sad? <laughs> Because I can't give it to you if you're sad. So yeah, that was all. Always, 
I, I know uh, someone who went and the, and the doctor said, uh, my doctor does mine, by the way, too. I don't have to make up any BS about it. Um, uh, he, uh, he, the doctor told him, he goes, so, you know, looking to get a card, huh? He goes, you have uh, insomnia? He goes, uh, not really. He, goes, he looked, he grabbed his pen and wrote, you probably have insomnia. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, my, my, my brother's like, oh, yeah, he just asked, can you breathe properly? Yeah. If you say yes, then he'll be okay with it. Oh, but, you know, now you have to make up. Now you, you know, you shouldn't have to go to a doctor, an alleged doctor, to get a card and some rigged state tax deal so that you can get marijuana from a dispensary in a legal manner just for you to have an orgasm, ladies. I mean, come on. Get some street weed for that. You know what I mean? Uh, tomorrow's leap day? Yes. Uh, all right. I'm really not. People make a big deal out of it all the time. I, I You know. I mean. Once every four years. Some we have people a, that have a birthday only every four years. Yeah. Well, it still doesn't make them younger. I get that. And I get mathematically we need it. You know, the Gregorian calendar and all that nonsense. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't know. But we could have added a leap day anywhere in the calendar. We chose it February to do it. I don't know if we did it. I think the Romans chose that. Um, I don't know anyone who's a leap year baby. But I do know that you'll get free guacamole tomorrow at uh, Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Lean into it, too. You go in there and get you as much free guac as you can. You think that's going to drive people in there? What does it cost for guacamole? They make, a, they make sure, damn sure you know... You say, I like some guacamole. There's, a, there's an extra charge for guacamole. I know. I know. Put it, put it on there, please. please. I didn't ask for it otherwise. Give me the guacamole. Tomorrow it's free. You have to have a code. I, I lost the code. So just oh. tell me you want the leap year guacamole. Yeah, I'm here for the leap year guac, bitch. Give it up. I'm going to keep my money. Uh, Heinz, the people at Heinz have teamed up with Paramount Pictures to launch a limited edition Pasta sauce inspired by the movie The Godfather. When Clemenza is in the kitchen, all the guys, he's got to feed a bunch of guys. He's got a big pot on the stove. He's got an apron on. He's big and fat. And Michael comes in. He goes, Michael, Michael, pay attention. He get, tells me, you know, I had the tomatoes and this. They've, they've used, I'm sure they've put some other stuff in there. They've used Clemenza's instructions. Uh, it starts with good sun-ripened tomatoes grown in Italy, uh, and then you put your garlic, the meatballs, the sausage, and salt and pepper, and then you put some sugar in there, blah, blah, blah. Limited edition, the Godfather pasta sauce. Funny thing is, I think the people that love the Godfather movie are not about to buy a pasta sauce in a jar. I mean, probably not to eat it. You probably buy it and leave it on your shelf. Oh, really? It's collectible uh, pasta sauce? Yeah, it's collectible <laughs> pasta sauce. If you're a big Godfather fan... <laughs> All right, you're right, you're right. Maybe I should get some just for, I'll put it on the shelf of my collectibles. <laughs> here's an autograph of, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood, and here's my pasta sauce. How cool is that? Um, they should have teamed up with, they could also do a Goodfellas version, you know, because he shaves the garlic with the razor blade, and they put the, 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 the don't put too many onions in the sauce, and that whole thing. Um. One of the greatest movies in history. Let's do uh, some remarks. We got any remarks to get to? From the Florida Man radio app. And powered by Morris Family Farms and Organic Meats, the app is your way to listen to the show. If you missed it, it's up every day after 7. 
uh, and uh, the commercial-free podcast-style podcast, Jones. And uh, hit the button at the bottom of the app there. You'll see it, and you've got 30 seconds. Here we go. Yeah, in Germany, you pretty much have to recycle all the glass and plastic. Uh, when you take it back to the grocery store, you put it in this little machine. Pretty cool. But it sorts everything out and uh, gives you a deposit back. So uh, huh. I guess they figured out how to do it. They probably have the technology or we're just too lazy. But And uh, we actually have stupid people here in the panhandle where I live in Navarre that actually pay extra a month to have recycled. And, uh, yeah, we found out it all goes to the landfill. Someone is paying extra to be able to recycle their things, and they're just putting it. Yeah, they're just taking it to the landfill. That's a brilliant scheme. Brilliant. Uh, I wonder what happens if you don't recycle your stuff in Germany. Little bit of Texas history. Old Boots Bailey was my uh, grandmother's cousin, and. Kay Bailey Hutchinson is my, like, fourth cousin, I believe. <laughs> it's good to wow. be a Bailey in Texas. Yeah, I bet if you could you call Kay Bailey Hutchinson up right now and say, hey, it's me, Matt Laguna. Remember me? <laughs> huh. I was a market manager for Panera Bread for many years. We do bake the bread daily. It is shipped to us from our fresh dough facilities. The dough is raw. We prep it, proof it, and bake it every day. We donate the leftovers and do it again for the next day. Nice. So if, if it's prepped and proofed, if these other joints are getting like the Jimmy Johns and the mm-hmm. Jersey Mike's. They're getting, He's also uh, getting his bonus now because he only has to play his boy $16 an hour in California. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not knocking Panera. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's a, yeah. When it, but you can't, you know, you got to go in and sit down or get it delivered. We they got that extra caffeine lemonade the kids are all hyped up on. Yeah, stops your heart. <laughs> yeah. We used to have what we call paper drives in the Boy Scouts. We'd all pile into the back of pickup trucks and go around town and pick up bundles of newspapers people put out in front of their house. Then we'd take them to a tractor trailer and load them up. And every once in a while, somebody would find a Playboy, and it was like Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> But I, my home studio now is right where my office is. It's not, but it used to be back because I was doing a lot of filling for morning shows and my home wasn't really quiet in the morning, you know? So I had it back in a, in a guest room and all my prep I usually do, you know, the amount of prep I do, I just stacked it up in the corner instead of putting it in a trash can. And literally this paper, the, the regular printer paper was in a, a three and a half foot pile in the corner of this room. Yeah, it was a fire hazard. It really was. And I had to go get I, I, so much and so heavy. I went and got the big ass trash can and wheeled it through my house into that room so I could put it in there. I hope they were. So I don't know. Maybe they just got oh, this. We can't recycle paper. It's white. I don't know. Yeah, the whole gang thing reminds me a lot of uh, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. He's like, man, I'm going to get a job at a bank. I'm going to show up, work every day, be there for 20 years, work my way up, become manager, get the keys, and then ride that MF blind. That Memphis gang stand down is going to fail just as badly as the 80s TV show Renegades starting the late Patrick Swayze failed badly. Lots of hell of an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs>
Hey, what's up, Shando? Easy. Heather, Sparky352. Um, if you ask my honest opinion, bro, all 20 of those doctors need their license revoked or they got a big fat paycheck from big old Joe Biden. Or they're all real good friends with, was it Dr. Jill Biden? Take your pick. The old dude's senile. Can't wait for him to get out of office. Great show, guys. Be do, be do. Be do, be do. Uh, G Man, so the voice of treason says, well, if Trump was smart, he'd go down there and say, you know, uh, if you put me back in office, you know, I'll fix the border. That's all he's been saying. I don't, I don't get that, dude. <laughs> beater, beater. I mean, Biden's going to uh, uh, Brownsville. Yeah. That's not a major uh, point. Uh, I mean, maybe it is now, but I, when I lived on South Padre Island in the late 80s, I that's where I'd go to cross to go eat. I'd drive 40 minutes yeah. to the border. Cro- going to an minutes. actual border crossing spot and not where people are crossing the border illegally. If, if the if the Brownsville crossing is anything like it was when I went, it's it's very orderly and calm and it's mainly tours from America going that way and coming back with all the crap they bought. Yeah, it's going to be Biden's going to be standing right there with all the Border Patrol agents going, wow, it seems to be very orderly. The vehicles are coming yes. in, the vehicles yeah. are going out. A little crisis down there. A little know. dog went there, smelled the cars. It was great. <laughs> hey, what's up, Shando? Sparky again. So Biden's going to the border tomorrow, huh? I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up with like 50 Bluebell ice cream trucks, uh, a tractor trailer full of Visa cards, and he's going to stand there and shake everybody's hand and pat them on the back and tell them, welcome to the United States of America. That's what I think he's up to. I mean, I know why. We know why Trump's going. Great show, guys. B2B2. Welcome to America. Have you tried ice cream before? It's yeah. delicious. Uh, you can have ice cream in, uh, where you come from. <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> I think you guys call Halado over there. <laughs> Shannon, that uh, gaff you're referring to and that also the media is shouting at the hilltops that Trump made a, he mislabeled his wife as Mercedes. In actuality, if you watch the clip, he's turning to Mercedes Schlapp, who is a staple with CPAC and yeah. very staunch conservative. Yeah, I know. So, FYI, B-do-be-do. I didn't really pay attention to it. I heard someone say, you know, made reference to it. Of course, that's all over mainstream news. Trump forgot his own wife's name. He must be mental. He's too old. Uh, It's just like every time he calls uh, Nikki Haley by a joke name, people are like, oh, he can't even remember who he's running against. (laughs) Man, I can't even wait for the segment about the female orgasm disorder. Like, 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 how many dudes are like, man, I knew it wasn't me. That, that bitch got that disorder. <laughs> but, but, I, I, do the chicks, like, get off on their own? I mean, what God, What kind of a cold biatch, man? Yeah, that's, uh, honey, I think you have a FOD. I mean, you might need some weed. Yeah, here, take this edible. Hey, Shannon. Heather. Easy. Heather. Easy. You're the master of all things, but I just want to ask one favor. Maybe uh, a couple days a week, calling Bubba for about three minutes, and then maybe he can call and you guys show for like three minutes. I don't know. I just really miss you guys from back in the day. 
We uh we did uh day before yesterday. Yeah. I uh he finally got his Comrex. He bought that thing a long time ago. It sat around and it sat around and it sat around and it sat around and all the hits we could have done from my little studio. We we did it a couple of days ago. Uh and it sounded fantastic. He uh Macho Man finally got it hooked up. And uh, yeah, I think that's the plan. Shannon Guy in one room phone in the other room, guy. Panera Bread is just overpriced hospital food anyway. And all the other restaurants wow. got to do is get on Amazon and buy a ninja bread maker and make one loaf of bread. <laughs> Government comes in, they say, sorry, we sold out. You get something else. <laughs> nice work around. I'm actually a volunteer for the Female Orgasm Institute of America. <laughs> So if any females out there need my assistance, uh, just contact Shannon, and he can forward your information over to me. Wait, you consultant? Shannon, guy in one room, phone in the other room, guy second. I seen it is not a southern expression. That's a Pennsylvania expression. Everybody I know from Pennsylvania really? says, I seen it. Therefore, I nicknamed them. Pennsylvanians. They're just rednecks from Pennsylvania. They just don't know it. Uh, Shannon, uh, Easy, and uh, Heather, uh, where I come from, uh, the women uh, do not have orgasms, and if they do, I kill you. (laughs) Today is hump day. And tomorrow is leap day. There must be a joke there somewhere. Yeah, so I'm one of those leap year babies, so... Oh, damn. Tomorrow I turn seven. <laughs> well. Bitch, because I can't wait to get my license, and I can't wait to drink. Get that freak walk. Drag. Yeah. I think you know that law should be amended where they can also write you a prescription for a two finger cul-de-sac technique. Have you squirting all over the place? Okay. There was a version of Henry Hill's Sunday Gravy available in jars at uh, some grocery stores. Really? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it. Never bought it. I, it was way too expensive for a jar of spaghetti sauce. I remember it was crazy. Publix having it for a little while, but really? it was super expensive. Yeah, people buy that because it's, you know, ragu is a couple of bucks for a giant jar. Man, I own a construction company, and I throw concrete, lumber, all kinds of stuff in my recycling bin, and they've never said a damn word to me about it. (laughs) All right, ladies, this is T-Bone Simmons here, and I understand that there have been things that have been a little bit of dry at the uh, OOO farm today. Um, What we're going to be doing first I know this is unusual for me, but we're going to be smoking the reefer. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be so much fun. And then I've heard Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow has has rocks that, that you use. I don't have rocks, but I do have a stone pathway outside. So we're going to be using those, and we're going to work. We're going to puff. We're going to work. We're going to puff. We're going to work. We're going to puff. Oh, work it, ladies. Work that pelvic floor. Answering your question, Shando, uh, the Germans are, like, really strict on that. But uh, like I said, you you put the bottle beer bottles in the machine. They all get sorted by the type of bottle. They go back to the kind of brewery that uses that bottle, 
and they sort out the plastics. I mean, they are hardcore on on their recycling there. So, not sure. I'm sure the poles out come over, punch you in the nose, and drag you away. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> not going to take a chance. Beedy beedy. Put you in a damn train car. One recipe from a movie I'm sure the World Economic Forum is working on is from the movie Sweeney Todd. They probably told Biden we're going to Brownsville, and he figured that's where all the illegals are crossing. <laughs> this is where brown people are. I think Biden's only going to Brownsville because that's the only name of a town he can remember. This is Mitch McConnell. I will be stepping down as speaker because my battery is running low. Man, listening to you guys today, I am grateful. Never in my life have I came across a woman that had that orgasm disorder. All right. <laughs> That's right. I pleasure right. every woman that I have seen. Everyone, uh... Leave them in a in a in a, in a puddle in a mess and they're a quivering. This state of ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can't even walk the next day, so it's Takes okay. Takes them like four hours, so they may even make me a sandwich. All right, that's the uh, uh, the remarks for today. Thank you for leaving uh, leaving them. They're powered by Morris Family Farms and Morganic Meats. Uh, we'll take our final break and come back to wrap it all up for you. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Contribute to the madness by clicking the open mic button in the free Florida Man radio app. That woman beat the brakes off of me. I never disrespected my mother after that, ever. Wait a minute. So you're saying if we hold these parents accountable and that it's going to suddenly prevent them from doing it, these kids are going to look at it as, man, mom and dad are going to take the fall with me. Mother would spank harder than dad did. That learned us real quick. What happened to the times where your parents look at you and you straighten up? Leave your open mic now with the Florida Man Radio app. Okay, man, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Marcel Spears. Keeping our global neighborhood safe is a tough job, made easier by America's brave military dogs. These dogs keep our troops safe by sniffing out bombs and IEDs and locating enemy positions. Yet when these canine heroes retire, they're too often left overseas. American Humane works to bring these valiant dogs home and reunites them with their handlers for happy, healthy retirements. To learn how you can help, visit AmericanHumane.org. Police chase. Say a co- this is why a lot of places have stopped doing. You know, after a certain uh, speed, you got to call it off. In a police chase, if someone is killed, uh, either by the person you're chasing or the police vehicle itself, which happens as well, uh, and it's not the guy you're chasing, then it's a big f up for the police, and there's a big lawsuit and a big payola. However, if there's a fatality in a police chase and it and it's because the cop did a pit, uh, a pit maneuver yeah nobody there's nobody no liability because it was on purpose and it was also a safety <clears throat> maneuver yeah By getting them off the road was it was saved other people's lives what they'll say 
in a Kansas uh, case, the guy was, a uh, cop was chasing him at 70 miles an hour, got up to 100. The officer intentionally hit the car to do that maneuver. Uh, the tactical vehicle intervention, they call it now. Uh, and he was ejected and killed in an odd loophole. His death was not counted as a statewide federal statistic on police chases because the officer purposely struck the car. He didn't strike the car to kill the guy on purpose. He struck the car to stop the vehicle because it was an, a danger to, and a menace to uh, public safety uh, and needed to get off the road. We did that on purpose. Shouldn't be running from the cops. Yeah. Only break one law at a time. Uh, that's it for us today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, we moved to 103.1 FM in the uh, Central Florida area on Monday. And we will move to two to six. Thank you, EZ. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Uh, three Eastern, two Central tomorrow. Don't forget Papa the Love Sponge in the morning. Uh, my dear friend. Also, Don Miller, who says words that I simply can't say. We'll see you tomorrow on the Florida Man Radio Network. I am Shannon Burke. Have a good night.